ladies and gentlemen, our next event of the evening is a one-fall match with a 60-minute time limit. Time. This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. Well, hello everyone, and welcome once again to Where the Big Boys Play. Uh, I'm here with Chad. How are you doing, Chad? Doing great, Parv. How are you doing tonight? Very good. And um, we are a little belatedly, uh, but we are uh, this week celebrating our third anniversary. Is that right, Chad? Yeah, we started uh, a good bit late, but we started in July, end of July 2012, and uh, so this kind of corners in as sort of a pseudo third anniversary show. Yeah, and then we, we, we're at episode 75, so that's a nice round number to have a special, we thought. And uh, why don't you tell the listeners what our idea is for this special? Yeah, so I think... Um, I think it's a cool thing because it is our third anniversary and it is show 75. So this will be our first special since the fantasy draft with show 50. And uh, also kind of we want to thank everybody because we we, uh, got enough funding for the SoundCloud subscription for the next year. Uh, We got enough donations in and actually we're able to bank some for the next year. Uh, so that was great, everybody that donated. It was really appreciated. Yeah, um, and um, on that front, we're all, I think we're more than a quarter of the way towards ne- next year's already. So very, very grateful to uh, to everybody who's uh, contributed. Yes. So, so that is kind of a, a reason we sort of wanted to do this, I guess, surprise or off-kilter episode. So what we are going to do tonight, and we don't know how many shows this will take. It may take more than one. But me and Parv have compiled our, I guess we're going to call it our top 100 matches of all time. We each have 100 matches that we've listed from 1 to 100 of uh, all promotions, kind of of all time and uh, Parv, I guess, do you want to speak on kind of your criteria, and then I can speak on mine? Yeah, um, and also I think we should give some disclaimers and caveats right at the top here. Yes, Because sure. all time sounds kind of definitive, doesn't it? Yes. But I think it's fair to say that neither me nor Chad have watched every single wrestling match of all time. <laughs> so yeah. um, it is, as much as anything else, a snapshot of where we are in our fandom right now. I would say. Do you think that's fair, Chad? Yeah, I think I think that was one of the most alarming things. Um, 
when I did the list is I kind of pride myself on watching a lot of wrestling, but uh, but there was still there's still a lot of blind spots for me, and and I also I mean I kind of can just go into this now where in 2011 I really started I guess tracking my wrestling watching, and that started with doing the 1980s All Japan set, and I also participated in uh, Ditches uh, not, uh, 2004. Japan thing over at DeathValleyDriver.com. So both of those things happened in 2011, and since then, going through those and going through all the years of the 90s, uh, doing the show with you part, I've really kind of got a grander sense of stuff. But uh, me personally, I did not vote for any match that I hadn't watched in that time frame. And so between that and the... I guess holes that I haven't, you know, I haven't explored a ton of 1970s footage. I haven't explored a ton of world of sport footage. Uh, Portland. I haven't revisited a lot of the 2000 indies. Kind of the list goes on. Uh, but yeah, I think this is good to categorize this as sort of the 2015 version of our top 100 matches of all time, and we may can do list uh, in the future. Yeah. And- yeah. Um, like for people who aren't familiar with uh, you and I, Chad, although um, I'd I'd, uh, I'd have thought that most people listening would be, um, we we've also had kind of slightly different areas of focus over the past three or four uh, years. So you have watched a huge amount of ninety stuff, um, whereas I've done various different deep dives on nineteen seventies footage and have mainly focused on like the 1980s and maybe even the earlier part of the 1980s with titans and um various other kind of personal projects so i I think it'll be fun to see how some of that reflects on our two different lists i'm expecting you to have a bit more 90s me to have a bit more 70s um you know i have uh gaps that are well known not a lot of lucha um not many explorations into uh new japan in general although yeah, I d- that's I d- another one new japan 1980s now that's something I, that was kind of the thing i debated with the most is that was right on the cutoff where i've watched the highly touted stuff from new japan in the 1980s uh but i kind of only voted for a, i think a couple matches from there and i know there's some that'll probably make my list in future years from that era yeah and um I mean, basically, Japan after about 1999-2000 is an unknown area to me. I have not... I mean, I've watched a few matches here and there. Um, I checked out some kind of New Japan from this year and last year just to see what all the fuss was about. Not really my scene, Chad, as you might might imagine. But, um, you know, so... like, but anybody putting together a list like this is going to have gaps, right? So sure. we have yeah. to be upfront about it uh, at the start. And and one more thing, I, I don't think too like I, I know we have kind of a cross section of listeners, parv. So and we'll just say we don't know each other's list, so it'll be a surprise. Um, but I think I can safely say that a match like Shawn Michaels versus Undertaker from WrestleMania 25 didn't make your list, Parv. <laughs> yeah, you couldn't say that. Okay, so Parv does not like that match, but I do like that match quite a bit. I ranked it four and a half stars, but when doing 
you know, a top 100 list of all time, four and a half stars, which within a given year I'd categorize as kind of a match of the year candidate, you know, a great match, it still would not make my top 100. Um, So I think if you are very, I guess, WWF, WCW centric, you might be kind of shocked at some of the stuff on our list and why didn't this make it? Why did this make it? That doesn't necessarily mean that we hate those kind of holy grail type matches. It may be quite the opposite, but everything uh, that I've listed is upper, upper, upper echelon stuff and ranked. Uh, I told Parv right before we started recording that there's only three matches that I ranked at four and a half. So everything from my match 97 upward, I'd either rank at four and three quarter stars or five stars. So we're talking about kind of the cream of the crop here. Yeah, my my list goes, I think, nine matches deep uh, before I get to four and three quarters. So, <laughs> um, similar. All right. You ready to dive in? This will be interesting. <laughs> okay. Uh, it is certainly going to be interesting. Um, do you want to give your 100 first? Sure, I can. Um, my number 100 was a... Uh, was a match I, I just watched for the first time a few months ago, and it's Terry Funk versus Atushi Onita from five five nineteen ninety three from uh, FMW. It's a no rope explosive barbed wire time bomb death <laughs> match. Bar <laughs> sounds and, amazing. And I can tell you right now, I would love for you to watch this match because I actually think you would greatly enjoy it. Um, Our friend Charles has kind of called this, if Quentin Tarantino directed a wrestling match, it would be this match. (laughs) Um, There's there's just a certain visual to this match where... Uh, I mean, you know, you know, you kind of know the scene with the death matches, and yep. this has the ticking down to the big explosion. And a lot of times, that explosion is very anticlimactic. But in this match, there's this really uh, kind of annoying at first, but then a surreal siren that goes off. So as the clock ticks down and down and down, you really feel a sense of danger. And the wrestlers play off that where they end up kind of protecting each other in a way from the from the bomb. It's it's a very interesting match. Um I have a great memory of my I guess at that point in time he was a five month old son. Uh he was in his exorcer uh, while I was watching that match, and he generally doesn't pay attention to nothing at, on the TV, but he once that siren started, he was kind of entrenched uh, watching the match, and I actually have a picture of him, you know, fully focused from behind watching this match. So, a really memorable match, and I think uh, one of the best death matches of all time. Wow, and uh, you'd be interested to know, Chad, that um, a certain uh, other friend of ours, uh, who may or may not be from Texas um, has uh, well I'm just going to say I've got several discs worth of Terry Funk coming through the post soon uh, his entire career and that is my next deep dive Chad I want to watch everything ECW FMW uh, all of his later stuff so you you may not make it through some of the ECW <laughs> um, I mean there's good and bad I can just say going through the 90s 
there's good and bad to me with funk but this this was awesome and to me onita is one of those workers where if you kind of just categorize him as a deathmatch worker you're really missing out and he's one of the smartest kind of shockingly psychologically sound workers of the 90s that i've seen uh so that's my number 100 well my number 100 uh chad is a um definitely what you would class as a personal pick <laughs> uh i just ha- i wanted to sneak it in there just just to give these guys a representation because i really do think they've been hard done by by recent uh, critical trends and that is randy savage versus ted dibiase from uh, <laughs> june the 25th 1988 this is the ms uh, msg cage match um which famously has the fan jumping on the side of the ring. Yeah. And the cops come out. And, I mean, it's just about context and heat. I remember the very first time I watched that match, I was like, holy shit, I can't believe this actually happened. Um, It's worked at an absolutely frantic pace. Um, You know, I think DBRC and Savage worked really fast that year. It's one of those things that isn't kind of talked about that much, is just the speed. Um, and, uh, you know, very heated. So that, that's, that's my number 100 match. I, uh, I, I'd have thought that match isn't getting anywhere near your 100, right? Uh, I mean, I, I like that match a good deal. I don't know where I would rank it. Um, it, but yeah, it wouldn't be near my 100, uh, probably be around four stars, which again, for an all time list, it may not even be like my top 500, which is kind of weird to think about, but that's a match I still like, but just, there's been so many. I'm trying to give it representation as a kind of, but probably my favorite match of that era, which is close to my heart, you know. Yeah, sure. In, in WF, so yeah, that's a that's a cool era of kind of post a little bit post rock and wrestling, but still kind of in it as well. Um, interesting era there. Uh, so my number ninety nine is the Midnight Express versus the Rock and Roll Express from Wrestle War nineteen ninety. Uh, to me, that's my favorite match that they had together. I love the Jim Cornette spot. Uh, I think we talked about it a good bit on where the big boys play. Uh, it's a, it's a match I just really enjoy between the uh, all the interaction between the teams and had some innovative stuff and was kind of amazing that you know now five or six years into their feud they were still able to kind of reincarnate themselves and the feud as a whole would make it interesting still. Yeah, and I'm just seeing if that match is uh, on my list at all can't see it actually let's have a look no it's not on my list oh well okay there we are then (laughs) Uh, (laughs) so um yeah i like that match a good bit as well sure uh, chad um well my number 99 is a match that we reviewed very recently on this show chad steiner brothers versus uh fujinami and uh azuka from um the may the 17th 92 yeah. That was on the very last show, wasn't it? That yeah, was on Wrestle War. That's yeah. on Wrestle War. So just go back and listen to our review there. Sure. And, um, yeah. And, and now that, like, these matches in the kind of back 10 are ones that have just really stuck with me, like, for for years and years. You know, I, I, I as I said last time, I remember being blown away by that the first time I saw it. And, you know, for a kind of insanely brutal bomb fest. 
I don't know if US wrestling has many to put up there with that, as I said last time. So, um, yeah, that's my, that's my number 99. <laughs> Certainly a memorable match. Um, definitely. Um, so my number 98 is Ric Flair versus Lex Luger, also from Wrestle War 1990. Now, I have that a little bit higher up on my list. Track, okay, Chad. so we do have our first crossover, yeah. um, which is interesting. But this one... Uh, I feel like I've talked about this more than almost any other match uh, <laughs> that we've done between me, Charles, and uh, yourself. But I, I really do feel like this kind of is the it, – it just feels like the last moment where Flair, in some regard, was kind of unequivocally the man. Um, it could be other points, but, but this to me just felt like that final – I guess, moment when it really happened. Yeah, well, I guess I'll save it for when I, for when I get there. So, um, but yeah, a, a very a much underrated feud as well. Um, so my number, I've just realized, Chad, things have gone terribly wrong already because my next thing on my list is also listed as 99. <laughs> oh, uh, it's actually... Yeah. You're going oh, to make a cut. Oh, shit. Okay, 98 then. 98 is... Um, what can go? Maybe this Lucha match I've got here. Oh, come <laughs> on. All right. Uh, number 98 is Rick Martel versus Harley Race. Um, this is from April the 20th, 1986. Uh, do you remember this match on the AWA set? Um, um, yeah, a little bit, but I was not i'm interested to see where i ranked that yeah now i'm i i I recall being a lot higher on this than everybody else uh four and a half but i love harley race throwing bombs i love rick martell taking bombs and he just shows so much fire in that match um and the best thing about it is that there's no it's just completely in a vacuum there's no story around it there's um you know just an, so yet another bomb fest at the start of uh, my list here i'm just kind of getting in my favorites kind of which aren't super high end in this back 10 do you understand what i'm doing here Jeff? sure yeah yeah i think that's fair i mean i mean again each match is good it's just kind of just rank how you rank it you know yeah so i just like that for pure fun um especially like in the context of the awa set which i mean even though it was high quality it could be a bit of a slog at times chad so that that really felt like a breath of fresh air in that context you know so what's your 97 my 97 is a match that i know you will have or yeah my 97 is a match i know you will have higher and that is a Toshiaki Kawada versus Stan Hansen from 2-28-1993. I do have that on my list, yep. Yeah, and that is, uh, I guess you can talk about it then, but you just recently talked about it on... Um, All Japan Excite. All Japan Excite, and that, that's a match that really kind of... It, it holds up pretty much on every viewing and is a great kind of slobber knocker type match. Uh, pretty much all you could ask for there. Yeah, no, abs- absolutely. Um, that is a fair bit higher on my list, actually, looking at it. Yeah. Um, what about my 97? My 97 is uh, yet another personal pick. 
this is the running theme of this first ten, Chad. It's uh, Mr. Sato versus Larry Zabisco <laughs> from oh, man. from Tokyo, uh, February February the tenth, nineteen ninety. So much fun! I wanted to try to get a Sato match uh, in here. I wanted to get a Larry match in here. And what better way to do it by putting them uh, together? This is like uh, Mr. Sato as Hulk Hogan. Uh, Larry doing all his usual shtick in front of a je- in front of a Japanese crowd uh, in the Tokyo Dome. I uh, I dug the hell out of it. And, yeah, that's, uh, that's a fun match. I've mentioned it several times, and it it's just another one that really sticks out in the mind. You know, uh, more from recent uh, times that I've seen it. But uh, yeah, that's another one. Um, my ninety six. Now this is one area where I've really loved digging through the 90s because this match is a match I've never heard really anybody talk about um, except for me, Charles and the other people that have done 1999 are in the process and it's a match of two kind of relatively well-known guys but it's an incredible juniors match and it's Shinjiro Otani versus El Samurai from New Japan uh, the date is June the 3rd uh, so June the 3rd probably won't be the uh, last time that date is used in my uh, top 100 but uh, it's 1999 and this is a great juniors match focused on uh, really intricate mat work and body work just an incredible match uh as of right now, it's my number two match of 1999, and I'm about eight and a half months through that year chronologically. Uh, so I, it just it feels like an extreme hitting gym type match. Great. Well, okay. And uh, we're going to provide a list. Uh, we're going to include our lists, I guess, in, yeah, in a spoiler I'm, I'm form. Kind of, I'm, tr- I'm short of uh, tracking on an Excel spreadsheet, us together, and I'm highlighting in yellow the uh, crossover that we have. Cool. Yeah. All right, well, uh, my number 96 is uh, Jerry Lawler taking on Terry Funk in a no-DQ match. Yes. From March 23rd, 1981. Um, so this is actually a couple of weeks before the Empty Arena match, and for my money, is a more satisfying match, like, as an actual match. Um, really good brawl, super heated, tons of fun, um, and one of uh, only a couple of Memphis uh, matches on my list, Chad. So, seen that one? Yeah, I have, but it has been that was one that kind of fell out of that four year window where I thought I thought about it because I looked at the eighties results for Memphis, even though I didn't personally participate in that. I have seen uh, most of the matches that were highly hyped there. But um, it was not one of the ones I'd watched in the last four years. But it was one I've kind of pegged to say that I probably should see again uh, just to see how it is. And uh, I remember liking it last time, but I don't know how much I'd like it. Great punching, of course, given who was involved. Sure. Um, Well, I guess number 95 may be our first, I guess, controversial pick because this is a match I know you do not like very much because you just uh, reviewed it. And that is Eddie Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio Jr. from Halloween Havoc 1997. Now, this is is a very uh, hyped match. And it's it's one I really love. Um, I, I do like the the spots here, and I think the storyline 
beyond it is very interesting with Eddie on top as kind of your dominant heel ace for once of this uh, cruiserweight division and Ray kind of overcoming the odds and busting out some really incredible spots with the the uh, rope flip I guess is the most memorable um, but but to me this is just one of the better junior matches on US Soul and I really enjoyed it watching the 97 yearbook I thought your review of it was fair and I look forward to when we uh, get to it in the future for uh, where the big boys play to see if you're either higher or I'm lower. Well, one of the things uh, I've come to realize is that I, I, I have a real dislike of a kind of high flyer junior offense that feels like what I call confetti or fireworks, Jared. Yes. And, uh, well, I mean, it's Ray, isn't it? That's basically what he does. Um, I prefer Ray to work like Ricky Morton, if, if I'm honest. <laughs> yeah, I, I think this had a, a little bit of enough story, and maybe watching it in a vacuum didn't quite convey that that you would get if you watched the Nitros leading up to it, um, where it didn't just feel like an exhibition, because I, I can understand that. Something like... I mean, I guess Psychosis versus Ray from Bash at the Beach 96 would be one of the the foremost examples of him just having a straight spot fest kind of type match. Um, One of my pet hates, I do realize the hypocrisy of saying this after I've just put the Steiner Brothers match on my top (laughs) one. That is true. (laughs) But but one one of my pet hates about that kind of era is how the Tornado DDT becomes a transitional move. It just mm. drives it drives me nuts, um, and I, it, it actually Eddie is guilty of that as anybody, and I really like Eddie, so you know, it's one of those things. Yeah, that's interesting. That's something I've never thought about, but uh, something we can certainly start tracking as we get closer to that uh, time when we watch the footage. Yeah. So, and and just on that note, um, I think I was saying I can't remember where I was saying this. Probably in one of our little Facebook chats, but. Um, you know, I was I just reviewed a bunch of stuff from later on. I just vent, you know, uh, ventured outside of my usual type thing just to see what like Benoit Guerrero, you know, those type of of guys, Kurt Angle, uh, you know, just how I'd find them now in 2015. And um, my general feeling, Chad, is that the workers that we've been seeing in '92 feel better than than that crop of workers, you know. Jericho, Edge, that you know that whole scene, that kind of SmackDown Six era. I've been yeah, watching that. I mean, I mean, I think, I mean, Eddie is interesting because I would put Eddie as a worker for me up there with anybody. Kind of we're seeing in '92. I mean, he may not be thinking about like the greatest wrestler ever. Pole, he'll probably be around where like Arn is for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I, I think obviously. Our group as a whole is going to be lower on someone like Edge than most uh, WWF or WWE big time fans, where we really don't like Edge much at all. Um, <laughs> Jericho is someone that I've kind of throughout my uh, wrestling fandom found hit or miss. Really loved his character work at times, but think he quite never kind of lives up to his potential inside the ring um but he does have some great performances so it's it's really weird i'm very conflicted with jericho as an overall worker 
but yeah, I, I can certainly see that point. Whereas, I, and, and I think sometimes it just boils down to the little things that we yeah. see in some of the match. I mean, like the like the Wrestle War '90 tag match, like the spot with Jim Cornette fighting Nick Patrick, and the spot where Ricky Morton's on top of the shoulders. Uh, that them are such memorable spots, and you think about like the No Mercy 2002 tag match which is not on my list i'll just say that and that's i, I can't i mean I, I think i did did like that match on rewatch but i can't kind of recall a single spot from it yeah no i know exactly what you mean yeah that, that's that's kind of what i'm getting at where it's like they almost do too much those guys i don't know Let, let's carry on though chad let's uh who's, who's next on your list it's you it's uh number 95 Okay, well, this is a match we've talked about uh, quite a bit. It's the Fantastics versus Eddie Gilbert and uh, Ron Simmons from Clash oh, 4. Oh, Lord. I figured you would sneak this one <laughs> <in>. <laughs> July the 12th, 1988. I have quite shamelessly just used like, used, like, the first eight or nine matches to slip in matches like this. Yeah, I, I love this match. Um, I just... It's the Fantastics that they're most kind of, like, fierce. They're almost, like, healing it up, I, I maintain. Um, and, uh, yeah, you can go back and listen to our review of Clash 4 in the archives. I see that as a hidden gem uh, in there, and I'm not the only person who hypes this match, so uh, I've seen other people talk it up. It's a past. good, it's a it's a very good match. It is not <laughs> the uh, 95th best match of all time. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Okay, so my number 94. I'm interested to see if you have this match on your list. Uh, possibly. It's another match you've watched fairly recently. It's Masaba and Kobashi versus Kawada and Taoe from 6-1-93. And this is their first match together as a tag team. Yeah. And, I, I've, um, I've got this uh, I've got this higher up on my list. Sure. Yeah. And this, this is, I mean, this is a feud that'll be... Uh, littered around my list so I'll I'll just say for this match in particular I thought they did a great job of kind of by this point you realize that Masawa and Kawada were going to be kind of that signature enemies with each other and what I liked in this match is it also elevated kind of Kabashi and Taoe up to that level where now they had uh, problems with each other, Kobashi especially with Kawada went after each other in this match uh, to kind of set up that feud. So going in, we had an issue between the teams, but coming out, we had a lot of kind of interesting threads and signature uh, singles matches that were built off of this match. Yeah, no, well, I reviewed that not too long ago on uh, Old Japan Excite. Yes, so, yes, you are definitely, you and Steven are kind of tracking a lot of my list, as you will see. <laughs> um, well, I'm, my next one is a uh, little match from 1982, uh, Harley Race versus Kerry Von Erich. Um And this is, uh, this is a, a one of three matches from 1982, I, the other two aren't on the list, um, that have probably been the best Harley Race matches that i've seen so as you know chad I've, I've basically been trying to watch all of harley race uh that is on tape and um he, he basically gets a lot better when he doesn't have the belt so um yeah Where, where's this one from is this from dallas 
Yeah, Texas. yeah, it's from WCCW. Yeah, this this is one I have not seen. I don't believe. Yeah, so, and so I was re- I was really sh- uh, well. This was one which I fully expected to see like top ten for that uh, set, but for some reason it wasn't on there, and I don't know why. <laughs> Just one of those one of those things. I I haven't actually asked Will <laughs> why it wasn't on there. Um, oh, it wasn't on the the eighties uh, set at all. N- not that I could find. Uh, which I can only assume means they didn't have it, um, because there's I, I can't see any I can't see any way they would actually leave that out considering what else was on that set. So that was really good. Like um, definitely one to uh, go out of your way and like what I think Harley Race is a little bit underrated by our community in general. I think he's seen as being like a precursor to Kurt Angle because uh, he lacks psychology or something. Um, yeah. I, I, um. I don't necessarily agree with that idea that he lacks psychology. My my main problem with him is that he works too weak as a champion. But without the belt here in 82, he's kind of freed of that responsibility so he can just, you know, bust out his big offense a bit more. And, and Kerry Von Erich, I reckon, is... Uh, a much underrated babyface. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think I have any Kerry Von Erich on my list, but he was somebody I considered for a couple of his matches. Um, I like him a good deal, but you don't have the jumbo match on your list. I do not. That was one of my very last cuts. I will tell you, and that was one that kind of pained me. Yes. Wow. Yeah, when well, we get to that. Well, Spoilers, people, but that's on my list. So. Yeah, yeah, that one, and also the uh, I, I really like the cage match with Flair from Star Wars '82, kind of just with the overall overarching angle um, that kind of sets off from that. But uh, my number ninety three, and this is another match I'll be interested to see if you have. But it is uh, Yatsu and Jumbo versus Stan Hansen and Tenru from twelve six nineteen eighty nine. Now this was the very last match on the All Japan set that we watched, and it made a, a pretty big impression. Really, kind of. Um, gave a, a kind of a cherry on top for that set as a whole. You had Yatsu in the headgear and really nineteen eighty nine was a banner year for all Japan. Just amazing quality and this was kind of the kicker match from that. Well um I actually have that in my top half, Chad. I nice. I was super high on that match, so um Yeah, yeah. I, I had that ranked number six on that set overall, so Wow! So a match that is get it's number six on that set is this far down your. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, it was tough. It was very tough. Okay. Okay. So where, where are we here? Are you ninety two? No, ninety three. Yes. Uh, my ninety three is Ric Flair versus Lex Luger from Starcade eighty eight. Um, that's uh, December twenty sixth. Uh, I love the narrative of this match. Um, people always talk about the booking of that feud that Luger should have gone over, but I I actually think that that talking point takes over how good those matches are a little bit. Um, and I want to say I may, we may have even underrated it uh, when we reviewed it back whenever it was, Chad. Because um, yeah, well, I I certainly think it's a really good match. 
Um, that's the one, if you recall, where um, doesn't Flair get the pin after Luger's leg, leg gives away? Yeah, he has him up in the rack, Flair pins him, has the foot on the ropes, yeah. and uh, um, Tommy Young does that really kind of iconic reach to the top, you know, where he raises his arm and presents Flair. I mean, for, for my money, it's one of the best transitions of all time in a match. The the, the transition on Luger's leg, the flare, and the, 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 the switching of gears from flare from taking punishment to moving on offense is uh, one of those moments where you get to see the psychopathic flare come out to play. So um, that's why I've got that match there. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's one of those matches that definitely falls into the really, really great four and a half stars for me but didn't quite make my top 100 that that uh, is one of my that's really on the cusp of being a four and three quarter match yeah uh, for me so um my number 92 will uh, not be a match you have on your list and it is the cage of death and it is from ring of honors 100 show which was in july 2006 and uh, this was the culmination of the Ring of Honor versus Combat Zone Wrestling feud. Um, this is actually a really well-booked match, Parv. I think it kind of harkens back to War Games uh, in some ways. It has a surprise uh, person come out for Ring of Honor to kind of be their savior. Uh, it, it, it's he's kind of like the sting if you can imagine it of Ring of Honor and so he comes out and saves the day and very violent uh, out of control mayhem match and that was one of the best booked feuds of the uh, 2000s which you know the indies in the 2000s you're not kind of it's not known for angles and stuff like that um yeah. but this was a very well done angle and a perfect blow off to it and i actually did rewatch this one uh monday on labor day just to make sure it held up and it did yeah, I, I don't actually associate ring of honor with uh violent cage matches either chad yeah well the cage of death is kind of the signature combat zone wrestling match where they would have the cage of death once a year and it was their biggest show of the year uh kind of their big it was like their war games um so that was kind of an interesting kind of hook too that they brought this match to settle the feud with the ring of honor um you had all sorts of guys in here necro butcher sanjay tut which is kind of weird just just a lot going on yeah, and, and uh, I don't want to spoil too much, but there was not a single Ring of Honor match on my entire list. Yeah, I didn't have much. Um, I, I was wondering. I'm, I'm surprised though. I, I thought you might have the. Uh, I guess we can talk about it real briefly. But I thought you might have the American Dragon versus Low Key match on there. <laughs> well, um, I did, <laughs> just a peek behind the curtain, Chad. Do you remember when I said I've got two ninety nines? I was looking for a match to cut. And that was the one that got the boot. Yeah, that was that was uh, that was one that I definitely want to rewatch because I have uh, I haven't seen it in a while, but I love that match. But it's it's one that may be I, making the list if I it's watch got it between now. A and lot next more because I, I watched that not too long. It was about what within the last year I yeah, reviewed sure. that, and uh, I seem to recall it's got a lot more mat work, and it's actually more seventy style than you'd expect for like a match of that era. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, my, my only complaint with, with that, with those two as a feud 
is that um, I did. I, it's almost like they were wearing their influences on their sleeve a bit too much. Like it's like okay, now they're doing like. Do you know what I mean? It's like well, in this bit now they're doing Flair Steamboat. Now we're getting a bit of like Kawada versus Masawa. Did you know what I mean? Like uh, yeah, kind of melding all the classic rivalries. Um, yeah. Where at points it could kind of feel like a tribute match in a certain way. So th- th- that's my only little problem with that. Fear. It's like, have you really earned those chop, chop fest type thing? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, I guess I guess I can say that. Sure. But um, but yeah. So that that's that little bit of doubt was the thing that made me cut it in that moment. <laughs> but uh, you can see how arbitrary this part of my list is. Here, sure. I made I made uh, that cut last. A minute. rash decision. Yeah. <laughs> where, where where are we here? No, you're uh, number 92. Okay, so my 92 is Jerry Lawler taking on Dory Funk Jr. Oh, God. And this was um, this was a week after the Funk uh, No DQ match and uh, is probably one of Dory's very, very best singles matches that we have on tape that I've seen. Uh, super heated brawl. Excellent. European uppercuts all over the place. Lawless punching. Um, just a great, great match. And uh, probably the best match I've seen on the on the Memphis set so far. Um, in You know, three discs in. That was my highlight, so... Where, where did this one finish overall? I can look at it real quickly. Um, this is one I have not seen. I don't think I've ever seen this match before. So, I, I guess right. now I probably should seek it out for uh yeah. for completest sake uh number 47 is where it ended up yeah it did, it did, hey, that would, could be some dory hate could be some i i think it's a really spirited uh, i mean you you definitely liked it better than that scaffold match right which i do like the scaffold match but i know you weren't the, crazy the, high the, on it the cocoa wire one yeah the, yeah, the sweet it's, it's brown not. sugar bill dundee that finished number 26 so quite yeah, a I, bit I, I wasn't like i preferred the the cheeky star scaffold match which isn't on this list for example you know so right um okay so your 91 my number 91 is uh mare fuji and kenta not uh kobashi but now hideo atami and yeah. uh, NXT versus Masawa and Ogawa, and this is from Noah, and the date on it is April twenty fifth, two thousand four. Um, I think this is just a great old versus new match where you have the uh, grizzled veterans and Masawa and Ogawa trying to hang with the young pucks. They absolutely pulverize them when they get the chance, and there's there's one slight botch on a really crazy kind of move that they were trying to get at the very end that just hinders this so slightly when i did the i said i did ditches 2004 uh kind of match rankings for japan this was my number one japan match in 2004 i have since uh switched that with another match that'll be higher on the list but uh but this is still a really great match one kind of one of the I guess one of the later highlights, I would say, from Masawa, where he, I felt like he really reached the uh, the highs that he had kind of a decade earlier. Yeah, I, I haven't actually seen any uh, old Masawa yet. How does he age into the into the noughties? Well, I mean, you know, Masawa's my guy, so uh, I, I'm maybe higher on him than most. I mean, I mean, he's not at the level. 
that he was in the 90s with All Japan. Um, and it, it's kind of unfair to, uh, well, maybe not unfair, but he's not as good as like Jumbo is from 90 to 92. You know, Grumpy Jumbo is a great, right. great per- character. Um, but but I do think he has some pretty clear highlights, even up to the year he passed away. I mean, I loved his interactions in the January 4th, 2009 uh, Tokyo Dome tag match that he was in. So, so I think he has a spattering of uh, highlights, but also some disappointing um, performances mixed in. Like, he has a match with Tenru, a singles match with Tenru in 2005, that you think could be just incredible because Tenry was on a roll when he came into Noah and Masawa was still having other good matches uh, such as he had with uh, Kawada when they fought in the Tokyo Dome in 2005 and they just sort of both laid an egg so that's a really disappointing match but uh, so I guess hit or miss but I think more hit overall okay well my 91 Yes. No, yeah, my ninety-one is a match that you like, Chad. The Rock and Roll Express versus Arn Anderson and Ole Anderson from November the twenty-seventh, nineteen eighty-six. Uh-huh. And this is the last four and a half star match I've got on my list. Um, so that's from uh, Starcade. Starcade eighty-six, a uh, great, great match. Actually, did not make my list. Um, you have not had a match that has made my list, but uh, yeah, I really like that one. I, I one of the things I'll just kind of spool for my list is the Rock and Roll Express. Um, they want to go their 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 match at ninety nine versus the Midnight Express is the only time they appear. Wow! Like I I really love them as a team, but again, I didn't feel I feel like they kind of capped out at that four and a half star level. Um, which so is you, you don't have the rock and rolls versus the Russians. Uh, no, that either. was one of my last cuts too. That was in my uh, top. If we did a top hundred and ten, that was in that. Yeah, well, I mean, that's there as a kind of quintessential Southern tag. You know, the rock and rolls versus uh, the Andersons. Right. And uh, looking at it, Chad, I think that's the only appearance of the rock and rolls on my list as well. Yeah, I'm, I um, mean. There's there's a lot of workers that I would consider absolutely great that kind of fell into that bucket, um, just for one way or the other. I mean, I don't I don't have a ton of Funk on my list. He's another guy. Midnight Express. Um, it was it was kind of interesting how that turned out. Eddie Guerrero, a guy I talked about that I really enjoy. So mm. just uh, it, it's kind of interesting. These all time great workers. Uh, that have a bevy, you know a bevy of great matches that I'd have at four stars or above, but when we get to this high end, um, they don't have a ton. Well, what's your so? Well, that's our top. That's our. That's back, our yeah. That's our first back 10. ten. Right at uh, what about forty five minutes? So <laughs> we, I don't think we're going to be getting through a hundred in one show. Um, but pick my, up the pace, Chad. Pick yeah, up the pace. My, my number ninety <laughs> is the only match from this year that's on my list, and it's my current match of the year. It's uh, Sinsuke Nakamura versus Kota Ibushi from January fourth, two thousand fifteen. Uh, just an amazing match. I loved being able to watch it live on New Japan World. It, it felt kind of like you were a part of uh, an environment watching it together. You kind of saw Kota Ibushi uh, 
rise before our eyes and become a man, so to speak. And Nakamura was just incredible in that match with his facials, the kicks, the the boom uh, it's my current match of the year, and I don't. I actually don't think there's been a match so far that's been relatively close, honestly, for me this year. Wow. Okay. Well, my number ninety is Ric Flair versus Terry Funk from November the fifteenth, nineteen eighty nine. Uh, Clash nine. Clash nine. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so we do have our first uh, crossovers. I do have that higher on my list. Now, if you recall, I was a little bit lower uh, on that match than you were at the time. So mm-hmm. that kind of uh, makes sense. Um, yeah, I, I, I just think that that match, I don't know, it feels a bit anticlimactic to me always. It's, it's one of the ones that I don't think quite lives up to the, quite lives up to the hype. Um, the, the finish can feel a little anticlimactic for me, um, but I, I still really adore it, obviously. Yeah, they do have another match though, uh, which which may be on my list. So. Up. Um, so my number eighty nine is a match we'll be coming up to relatively soon, uh, but it's one I watched this year and really liked it more than I'd ever liked it before, and I liked it a lot before. But it's Vader versus Sting in a strap match from Super Brawl three. Uh, February 21st, 1993. I think this is just a great match. Uh, Sting, they, I mean, it's it's a match where they're kind of, you know, it's a touch the four corners type thing, but they really start just beating the crap out of each other towards the end of this match. And just the whelps and everybody getting blistered and bleeding from the strap. It, it's really one of those matches where it won't get to the visceral level of something like Magnum versus Tully um, from Starcade 85, which, you know, big spoiler, mm-hmm. it's going to be much higher on my list, but, uh, but it, 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 it's in the same arena, which there's not a ma- a lot of matches that I think are in that kind of uh, echelon. And this one is one for me. And I think it shows that Vader's really tough and was kind of ready to lead the year as the dominant champion. Yeah. So, so that's one of the feeds that it, it I mean, it's, uh, I don't think there's any Sting match on my 100, okay? Um, well, I'm sure he's in one match that's on your top 100. Oh, oh sorry, yeah. yeah. He, he, must, he must make uh, the War Games, right? Right. But uh, um, there's no, like, Sting singles match or right. anything. But I do think that that feud is far away, far and away his peak as a worker. Yeah, sure. Um, and I'm really looking forward to seeing that stuff again. Cause, yeah. uh, I, th- I think it holds up well, so... Um, my '89 Chad, uh, uber rare for me, is a little uh, is a little one of several little trips to Lucha World. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Negro Casas versus. Uh, you're gonna have to help me with the pronunciation here. El Hijo del Santo yes. from 1997. This is uh, September the 19th, 97. Um, really good, heated, violent match. Um, I loved the character work of uh, Negro Casas throughout uh, throughout this. Um, I just he's one guy I want to explore a lot more. It's just uber sifted, like it felt like a gritty, stiff brawl. Um, yeah, lo- lo- love this one, Chad. One of, one of the better lucha matches that I've seen. Yeah, this is. Um of course, kind of a fabled feud in Lucha Libre, and this is probably, 
Uh, one of their most well-known matches, I'd say either this or the 1987 match they had, both for Mass versus Hair. And so this was when Santo, he'd been a Rudo the year before, and he kind of just uh, started, I guess, going back more towards a Technico, but neither one had, I'd, I'd say, a clear Rudo or Technico um, kind of persona around this time. Um but yeah, so so this one is a good bit higher on my list too. Yeah, no, I thought it would be because you, you ranked that pretty high on your '97, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I actually ranked it as the number two match when I went through the '97 set, but I had a little bit of shuffling when I made this list. Um, so now for my '88, and uh, let me take a deep breath because this is the Torneo Cibernetico, also from 1997. And it's El Hijo del Santo, Felino, Black Warrior, Silver King, Dr. Wagner Jr., Santanico, Kevin Quinn, and Scorpio Jr. That's one theme par versus Ultimo Dragon, Atlantis, Necrocasas, El Dandy, Shocker, Mascara, Magica, La Fiera, and Brazo de Oro. Um, What's that, a Survivor Series? It's it's a Cibernetico, which if you've never seen that par, there's like a set lineup. Where one guy comes, you know, you're you're ranked one through eight, eight guys on each team, and like if you're the number two guy, you can only tag out to the number three guy. So once one leaves, one comes in, and it's uh, elimination style. And this this match is just forty five minutes of pure action. Uh, not not a ton of psychology here, but it's just breathtaking spot after spot. Never relents up in its pace. Kind of flies by. Uh, this is a pretty historic match, and I think it's worthy of this list. It's probably uh, maybe one of the more spot fest heavy matches I have on my list, but uh, a pretty good blast to watch. So where are we now? Eighty-eight. Eighty-eight. I've got I've got Nick Bockwinkel versus Wahoo McDaniel. Um, Wahoo's a guy I've been exploring a little bit. Um, Uber stiff, obviously. I wanted to represent him somewhere. I don't think he crops up again on this list. And um, this was one of the matches that I was high on when we watched the AWA set. Chad, I have to admit, it's been a while since I've watched it. Um, but I can only imagine that uh, we saw a lot of. Nick Bockwinkle getting chopped very hard in the chest. <laughs> yeah, I, the, the one spot I remember from this is when they spilled it outside, and you have the really stiff um, shot where, like, I guess the uh, it's it's like at the movie theaters where you have the velvet rope and those kind of metal poles, those gold poles that stick up. Yeah, I remember Wahoo and uh, Bob both eating those just insanely stiff. This finished number four for me on the AWA set. Um, but it did not make my top 100. Oh, dear. What a, what a, what a snob you are, Chad, these days. <laughs> <laughs> carry, carry on. What we got? 80, 87. 87. My number 87 is Megumi Kido versus Combat to- Toyota from uh, Frontier uh, FMW 55-1996. Another uh, barbed wire match. But this is one that has great psychology. They tease the barbed wire. Um, it's not, I don't think it's one of those kind of masochistic, you know, two women fighting in barbed wire. You don't get that sense. Um, it's it's just a great kind of psychologically driven match that I really enjoyed when I watched it. 
So I, my 87 is another Lucha match, Chad. Okay. It's uh, El Ferron Horodas Mo, uh, Mocho Cota versus Lismark uh, Ringo Mendoza and Tony Salazar from 1984, uh, February the 24th. Do you remember that match? So Ferron Horodas and um, who else was on their team? Cota. Oh, Mocha Cota. Yeah. Yeah. And he he is the main reason this match is here. Cause okay. And they he, faced Liz Mark and who who else was on there? So, yeah. Ringo, Ringo Mendoza and Tony Salazar. Oh, yeah. Now, this this is the this is the lead-in to the uh, Salazar-Herodis um, match, right? I think it is. Uh, yeah. And what the, the thing that stood out to me about this match... Um, chair when i watched it and we're going back a couple of years now as well is uh just the sense of like a real rogues gallery uh especially on the on the heel side here like you've got you know they really feel like a kind of uh group of like <laughs> degenerates and pirates and stuff you know especially kota with his half finger hand <laughs> um so yeah, I, 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 this was the first kind of trios match that I could actually get into on the set because all the other ones were way too chaotic for my taste, you know. But this one seemed to, like, settle down and I could get into the characters a bit more. So, um, yeah, I uh, I may have got a bit carried away on Kota uh, uh, when I was uh, watching it, but I, I seem to remember this one really standing out to me. Yeah, so, I, I know I like this one, um, but it did not make my list. And I, I think they basically like do a lot of. Um, I seem to remember the the two other guys, um, Kota's partners, in this are quite big, aren't they? Like uh, bigger well, guys. Yeah, I mean Herodis is like a real burly man. Yeah, the beard. And I, I, I see. I seem to remember him like kicking the shit out of uh tony yeah uh, salazar doing yeah. this herodis is it was one of you know again the lucha set was kind of a slog for both of us i don't i don't know why but it was very tough to get through which yeah. neither one of us had but herodis was kind of one of those standouts as he's someone i'd never paid attention to before i watched that set and i came out really enjoying him during it all right Next one. Um, so my next one is uh, a lucha match you would not like. It's one of the classic technical title lucha matches, and it's Charles Lucero versus Ray Hechicero, and this was in Monterey on August fourth, two thousand and thirteen. It was my number two match from two thousand thirteen. Um, just great classic wrestling. If you ever watch this match, Parv, it's in front of eh, maybe a couple hundred people. Um, looks like in a rinky-dink part of Mexico, but they start out with just some awesome wrestling. And then with each fall kind of escalates up to where in the end, uh, Lucero takes this insane dive right into one of the, the seats that they have in the arena and kind of wipes it out head first just a crazy bump and um i, I just really enjoyed this match a lot and had zero i mean just I'm, I'm watching this now on a replay and the dive at zero does where he just completely eats the seat face first it's just nasty 
Right. Okay. Well, d- but maybe I'll watch that match. I can't make any promises. <laughs> that, that, doubtful. Rinky Dink Arena. Hundred people. Technico match. Ugh. Um. Anyway. Anyway. Where Where are we on the list? Um. Eighty six. Yeah. Yeah. This is your eighty six. Yeah. I've got a, another Nick Bockwinkle match. It's uh, Bockwinkle versus uh, Rick Martel from September the twentieth, nineteen eighty four. Um. I, again, it's been a while since I watched this stuff, but um, I just remembered Nick Bockwinkle just being like tremendous in everything he did um, during that during that run. Um, and well, you've uh, you've heard how much um, I love Rick Martel recently on uh, um, the Pro Wrestling Super Show, and uh, for me that was one of uh, Martel's best matches. I gave it four and three quarters, so I must have thought highly of it. Um, but I've got it here at 86. So, can you remember that one at all, Chad? Yeah, I remember that was kind of one of the better ones of Bockwinkle's kind of uh, even keel, I'd say, type matches, where he wasn't in, I guess, a big feud, even though he did have a pretty lengthy feud with Martell. Um, I like that match quite a bit. I went four and a quarter, so slightly lower, but still really enjoyed. Um, not not nothing to be ashamed of there. So my number eighty five is a match I'm guessing you'll probably have higher, but it's Jumbo Saruta versus Ric Flair from six eight nineteen eighty three. This is yeah, that, their that, uh, one hour draw match. That's uh, that's definitely on my list. A lot yeah. higher, yeah. Yeah, so this was uh they 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 had three matches that we saw um on the eighty set and this I thought was pretty clearly the best of the three and I thought they filled the time very admirably and um it, you know it was kinda you know two what what a lot of people would call two of the best wrestlers of all time having a match that kinda fits that billing. So what more can you ask for? Well- that's the match I'd point to when people say that Ric Flair doesn't have psychology or that he's not a very smart worker or that he can't do a technical masterpiece type thing. To me, that is Flair's, like, technical... It's worked in a very kind of 70s All Japan style, right. slow build, mat work, you know. Um, f- for me, that that particular match shows that Flair can, if he wants to, um, have a match like that. Um, what I find weird is that Ric Flair seems to think that him and Jumbo had no chemistry and that all his matches were terrible with him. It's one of the weird things from Yeah, that is weird because even like that 78 match that I just watched a couple of... Well, it's been a few months ago, but I mean, I've had that match very high at four stars and I enjoyed their 1981 match a good bit and the 82 match. I had them all ranked fairly high on the All Japan set, but I, I think this one's a clear grade above the rest, but I, I thought, like, for instance, I'd take Flair versus Jumbo over Jumbo versus Hanson. Yeah, yeah, no, I d- no, definitely. I mean, for me, it's a five star match, so you know, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really high on it. Four and three quarters, but we're, we're way high up there. Again, number five on the All Japan set when I did it. All right, well, um, where are we now? Um, number eighty five. My number eighty five is Jumbo taking on Tenryu. This is. Um, not their big match. It's October the twenty eighth, eighty eight. Yes. So I, I actually match. Yeah. The oh, powerbomb match. I actually thought the Jumbo um I seem to remember that his eighty eight in general was a little bit disappointing. 
Do you remember those handsome matches that you had that year? And like the first couple of go rounds of Jumbo versus Tamriu weren't weren't all that type of thing. Um, this, did you you didn't like their match in '87? I don't I don't seem to recall um, them. I mean, it's a little bit difficult remembering back now because so much yeah. of it blurs into each other, you know? Right, yeah, they but blend in. I, I seem to remember that um, several of Jumbo's matches of that period were disappointing. Yeah, considering. I mean, I think 88 was kind of probably the worst year match quality. Well, I don't know because I've got some high stuff. But I'd say the first half of 88, I mean, I know there's that Jumbo versus Tiger Mask 2 Masawa match that I liked, but that's more in the, you know, four, four and a quarter great than all time status. But this match and another match that I have on my list from late 88 kind of, I guess, turned things around and then sort of kick-started yeah. their 89. Yeah, I, I don't know. The, the, this match for me, I seem to remember getting me really excited for the culmination of this feud. Yeah, I, I, later, I, so. I do think that I think that is key with this match. This match seemed to be where, you know, in 87 they started feuding, but this this really is when the feud became kind of reached that extra gear where that where they had i mean that i love the uh august 31st 87 match but I, I think this match for sure is after this they were kind of blood enemies for throughout uh tenru's all japan run yeah and uh, so much of it is the attitude of tenryu towards the towards like the the kind of I don't want to say the authority, but kind of, you know, the establishment who was Jumbo at that point, you know, so great dynamic. We'll talk about that for you later, I'm sure. Sure. Absolutely. Um, so my number 84 is uh, Masawa and Ogawa versus Kobashi and uh, Jun Akiyama from May the 6th, 1999. Uh, kind of a late era All Japan match, but this was a tag match I really enjoyed. Uh, you have Ogawa teaming with Masawa, and I thought he hung very well, added a different dynamic with his uh, sort of cheating, rakes to the eyes, he's not above that. Um, In this match, and you have Kobashi and Akiyama really gelling together as a team, and you you felt throughout the 90s kind of Akiyama being raised level here and there, and this to me is the match that signifies kind of them as a team being equal to anything Masawa is the quintessential ace can throw at them. Um, so just just an interesting match in the late Baba era. All, well, he actually already had passed away, but uh, kind of right before the split of All Japan and um, Noah. This is one of the later gems of that era. So Akiyama, one of those big unexplored countries for me. I know, uh, you know, uh, some people are very high on him, aren't they? Yeah, so. Dylan's very high on him. Um, just for someone in, uh, that is high on him, I, I definitely am uh, a big fan of Akiyama. But uh, I'd, I'll be interested to see where you uh, land on him. I think you'll enjoy him a good bit. All right, so um, my next one is. Um, where are we here? Eight yes, four. it's it, it's another lucha one, Chad. It's Atlantis uh, and El Hidro del Santo taking on uh, Fuerza Fu- Fu- Guerrera and Lubo Rubio. Yes, <laughs> um, this is from November the twenty fifth, uh, nineteen eighty three, <laughs> and um, 
what can I say about it? Uh, it's been a while. Um, well, this I, this is uh, El Hijo del Santo's debut in Arena Mexico. Um, so, so one thing that's kind of interesting with this match is you you really see both him and Atlantis, two legends, in their onset. And uh, while this this did not make my list, uh, I did have it ranked, I think, four and a quarter. And for two guys that young, it's pretty incredible. I mean, I, I don't know what their age was, but they had to be in their early 20s. Yeah, I, I remember this being kind of like super fluid, super kind of smooth, uh, this match. Um, where they were kind of like doing... And this is something that I, you only really see in Lucha, kind of floaty kind of work, like it's kind of motion that you don't actually understand how it's happening. Yeah, um, it, it felt like they were, it was a very graceful match, I would say. Graceful. But then, and you know I love a heat sequence, uh, Chad, <laughs> I seem to remember that the, the heels um, are pretty nasty in this match and we get some pretty, uh, pretty kind of neat um, kind of uh, face and peril stuff before before the finish so you know uh i was pretty high on that match uh, when i watched it It was one that really stood out in the uh in that lucha set nice so my number 83 and this is a match i'm interested to hear your thoughts on if you remember them or if you've watched them but it's Shawn michaels versus the undertaker hell in a cell 1997 Uh, to me this this is if the wwf did a horror movie that was good this is this match where there's a sense of dread throughout the match Shawn gets his ass completely kicked um, takes the huge bump uh, hanging off the side through the table, which is really downplayed. I mean, that's a nasty bump that I guess gets trumped by Foley the next year. Um, but that, that's still a nasty bump for somebody that still had back issues even at this point in time. Uh, sick blade jobs, sick chair shots, and then I do actually kind of like the surprise with Kane coming out at the end. I thought that was a good way to have a i guess a cheap finish in a way but to then move sean on to bret hart with survivor series and uh get undertaker something to do where it wasn't focused on the title yeah i i uh it's i probably have not seen that match since 1980 uh since 1997 chad um so i can't i can't really remember now i do remember enjoying it at the time but I've changed quite a lot since then. But uh, that said, that there is an Undertaker match on my list, Chad. So uh, <laughs> there's every chance I would enjoy it. Yeah, and I'll, I'll just say, well, I guess I'll get to it because I got a feeling I know which one it is. But uh, when we get there, okay, all right. My um, my next match is. Where are we? Oh, we're still we're still up in the eighties. Okay, <laughs> it's uh it's Ric Flair versus Lex Luger, uh, February twenty uh, fifth, nineteen ninety. Okay, we discussed that. It's the Wrestle War match, right? So that's let's, uh, our... let's go to your eighty two. So my eighty two is um, Kenta Kobashi versus June Akiyama from uh, seven twenty four, nineteen ninety eight. Now this is a match. Um, that I, I don't think it's gotten its due. I and I know some people actually don't like this match. Uh, like I know, uh, you know, I don't even know how to pronounce his handle on Pro Wrestling Only, but Dow 
05 that's oh, yeah. watched a ton of all japan stuff but he's a good bit lower on later era kabashi and he was not a big fan of this match but uh, i really enjoyed it i thought it has excellent excellent selling of kabashi and to me in this match he was just magnificent and it's really why i think he was the best worker in the world in 1998 because I mean, Akiyama has no chance. You know, he does not have a chance in this match. You know that based on logical booking going in. But the way Kobashi sells uh, during this match, you really feel like he might have an outside chance. And that's a great testament to him. And I thought uh, Akiyama was also game and attacking Kobashi throughout the match and keeping the pressure on. Right. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to watching uh, the rest of uh, Kabashi in the 90s because um, he's somebody I've really turned the corner on now uh, uh, as you've probably been uh, hearing on the All Japan Excite series um, just a really good worker isn't he yes yeah sure but um, yeah like it, I made the comparison to Rick Martel Chad I think he's the only other baby face who kind of has that quality of always putting in 100% effort in everything he does um, and unlike Martel he's often facing a world class wrestlers every week so you know you're getting better matches for your money as well so uh, there's every chance that Kobashi will he could break the top 5 uh, when all is said and done because uh, I'm really loving him at the moment so what's where are we 82 my two, I don't know if you remember this match. It's Sergeant Slaughter and Crusher Blackwell versus King Tonga, Mar Superstar, and Sheikah Adnanal Casey. In the cage. In, yeah. in the cage from uh, 1985, April the 21st. Um, now, the AW, a lot of the AWA matches are kind of in this 80 range. Um, yeah, I thought this was uh, really, really good. Um, I wanted to have. Sheik Adnan's uh, cage <laughs> stuff uh, represented. Crusher Blackwell, like a torpedo, um, going head first into the cage. You've got Sarge there, who's always batshit insane with his bumps. Um, King Tonga, now, he isn't that. Uh, that's not Haku, is it? Yeah, I thought that was Haku. That, that, or no, that, that's. Like, um, or is that his tag team partner? Yeah, it's uh, the other one. The other dude. No, yeah. it's Haku. No, he's like, it's just like what a mix of workers you've got in that match, you know, and uh, Billy Dee there as well. So, yeah, I remember that being super fun. I was very high on it when we watched uh, uh, the AWA set. And um, yeah, I yeah. remember that match being good fun. It's not something I can kind of recall uh, right well, offhand, but I am looking and I had it in the top ten of my ranking. Yeah. So it, it was a four there. and three. It was a four and three quarters for me. So yeah. Okay, number 81. Um, number 81 is a match I don't think you would like very much, but it's Volkan versus Kiyoshi Tomura from 122-1997, and this is from Rings. Funny, uh, funny enough, Chad, I've watched this match twice in the past six months. <laughs> I watched it, um, well, I gave it a review, if you remember, and then, yeah. you, you, you know that thing they're doing at the moment where they're doing the marathon where you can drop in? It just so happens that's the match they watch as I was dropping in. Oh, so. nice. So I'm sure <laughs> you enjoyed that. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tamura, I, I would guess, of the greatest wrestling ever, 
poll. It, it seems like there's a couple of guys that have been getting a very good rep bunk, and I may be the high vote on Tamura. We'll have to see. Because I just think he's fabulous. I think he's absolutely athletically great. Um, and and I guess a caveat for this match, this whole list is obviously with your top 100 matches, some of your favorites are going to creep in. But I made sure not to make this kind of my favorite matches list, just me personally, um, where I do think this is the top 100 best matches. And I think this match is very expertly worked and kind of the Volkan is one of those workers that I talked about that um, this is the only time he shows up on my list but he's someone that will also rank high for me and someone that I enjoy a good deal of watching him and a cheap plug but Dave Musgrave is actually kind of chronicling his career currently on uh, placetobenation.com going into where uh, he will vote for him in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame this year. Well, it, somebody's going to have to explain this to me one day because I just do not understand the appeal of this sort of thing. Two two guys rolling around that does have a crazy, crazy uh, pace, crowd, uh, pace and crowd. Crowd too, yeah, yeah. So th- this is, this is the equivalent of like a sprint match in this style, or all the matches. Um, this well, I don't, I don't know, not necessarily. I mean, I mean, fifteen minutes at this pace is a good bit of time i actually watched a match with uh, volcan yesterday and Ko- koshaka that was i ranked four and a half and they had some great leg work um I, I think it's just the style you don't like the grappling submission reversals um just just watch know. uf just watch ufc that's all that's all that's, that's my advice <laughs> to anybody who just just if you want to watch a real fight, watch watch UFC. Yeah. Anyway, that's not a debate for this show, I no. guess. <laughs> um, yeah, and I, I don't know. There'll be, I'm sure there'll be some listeners who secretly agree with me. They, they're just scared to say. Well, something. I mean, Pete Pete Elf is someone that's not crazy about the style, so there. He does. He does like that match, though. He does like that match, and I think there's. I mean, I, I think it's. Uh, there's outliers either way. Like I said, I think both me and someone like Charles are higher on Tamura than most. Um, but in the other hand, there's uh, some that just don't like the style either. So carry on. All right. Well, um, we we are at the eighty point here. No, eighty one here. I do your eighty one and uh, our- it's uh, and we'll have a quick break. So it's Nick Bockwinkle, um, who's who's been like a lot a- of Bock. A lot of bark in this back uh, 20 here. It's um, him versus Kurt Hennig. Um, not the not the five-star match that you're thinking of. Yeah. It's one they have in 1986 on Christmas Day. 12, 25, 86. Yeah, now you're higher on this than just about anybody I know. Um. Yeah, I, well, I, I remember it being really good, um, that match. And the first time on that entire set where I thought... Kurt Hennig looked like he could be a world-class wrestler. I, now, if you remember, Chad, I was a lot lower on Kurt than most people. Yeah, kind of young th- Kurt. Yeah, I didn't like him as a babyface. And this seemed to be like his kind of like um, getting towards his coming-of-age type thing. Right. Um, obviously, we won't... Uh, was this before or after the, the other match? This is afterwards. Yeah. 
But um, this wasn't this around the time he started transitioning into Cool Kurt? Yeah, I mean, he does his turn, actually, with Bockwinkle, um, is, and that's yeah. in May. Um, so this is about five months, but you can kind of start, it, it starts building towards that. Um, this this is actually probably my number four match between these two. Uh, I, li- I like wow. the, the one that everybody knows, and then the, t- the turn match I thought was just a brilliant piece of storytelling. I ranked that number four on the AWA set overall, either four or five, I can't remember. Um, but really, really high. And then uh, I, I like their May 1987 match a little bit better than this. I gave this one four stars. I uh, really enjoyed it. But, yeah, you seem to always, I remember in the comments, being the high man for this one. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, take a quick break, Chad. I'll fill up my uh, Pepsi Max again. And uh, we'll let the place to be pay the bills, as Chris Elner likes to say. <laughs> <laughs> let the place to be boys pay the bills, yeah. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. What's up, everybody? This is Kevin Kelly. Make sure you check out every episode of The Kevin Kelly Show right here on The Place to Be Nation. PlacetobeNation.com, The Kevin Kelly Show. Every episode is a winner, at least we hope. Place Me Nation's Justin Rosero here. In addition to The Kevin Kelly Show, we have a ton of great podcasts available to you on iTunes and PlaceToBeNation.com. You can check out Scott Criscolo and me on The Mothership, The Place To Be podcast, home of great interviews and our famous vintage vault pay-per-view reviews. If you need your fix of current wrestling talk, we have plenty of options for you, including Main Event, which features a roundtable discussion led by PTBN analysts and special guests, and our monthly pay-per-view reaction shows, including immediate feedback and discussion for WWE, NXT, Ring of Honor, and New Japan Super Shows. Also, be sure to re Live Wrestling's past with Graham Cawthon's excellent exclusive History of Wrestling podcast, Phil Schneider's Digging in the Crates, and our monthly pay-per-view rewind roundtable series led by Ben Morse, and join Pro Wrestling Only's Will and I on the Dangerous Alliance podcast as we dive into various subjects in the form of exercises and games. Sports fans have plenty to enjoy as well. We featured the Sports Evolution Mega Show with Scott, Dr. G, Cowboy, and Cowboy Sr., the Kings of Sport, led by Live Audio Wrestling's godfather, Nate Milton, as well as the NBA Team Podcast, which takes a year-round deep dive into pro hoops, and the TJ McClune Show, featuring great guests from around the world of sports journalism. PTBN also proudly features the Richard Mailman Podcast, specializing in the world of TV, thought, leadership, anger, and irreverence. As mentioned, all these shows available on PlaceToBeNation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. PTBN also is a home to tremendous in-depth features on pro wrestling, sports, movies, comics, plus tournaments, and more. We also want to thank our friends at Bonehead's Wing Bar in West Warwick, Rhode Island, and Fall River, Massachusetts, Scott Keats, RSPWFAQ.com blog, and Piledriver.net. Do you watch pro wrestling? Do you love pro wrestling? We do too. And there's only one podcast feed that you can't miss. PWO, PTBN, Podcast Network. That's the pro wrestling only place to be nation podcast network. We have a host of brilliant shows dedicated to wrestling past and present. Whether it's the territories, Japan, Lucha, old school or new school, we've got something for you. Get a dose of history on Exile on Bad Street with Chris Zellner. Listen to reviews of current pay-per-views on the PTBN reaction shows. Not just WWE, but New Japan, Ring of Honor, and NXT. And get your weekly update on everything else that's going on in the indies, Lucha, and beyond on This Week in Wrestling. 
Relive WCW Supercards on Where the Big Boys Play with Parv and Chad. Join Dylan Hales and Dave Musgrave on one of the very best shows for super hardcore nerds wrestling culture. Go deep into WWF history and discover the Bob Backlund and Bruno Sammartino eras on Titans of Wrestling. Don't miss the Pro Wrestling Super Show with Stephen Graham and Tim Livingston. You can get the full archive of Goodwill Wrestling with good old Will from Texas. There's tag teams back again with Kelly and Marty Sleaze. Then there's the only pro wrestling game show, Brain Buster, with me, Johnny Sorrow, and a panel of great guests every time. Get them all on one feed. P-W-O-P-T-B-N. Podcast Network. You know you want to hear it. All right. Well, we're, we're, we're back. Um... And uh, yeah, we're gonna have to change the uh, that ad again, Chad. I have got like a, like a after about a month, I cannot stand the ads anymore, and I I have to get them changed up. New music, new cast, everything. At least you're not saying exile on Bad Street in like your hardest uh, Liverpool accent. Although, although, exile on Bad Street. Although for some reason, Will won't use the new one. So, no, he he's, he says he's on the other one, so he's using it. So he's he's stubbornly uh, is that is that the reason? Because he's on I don't know. I, th- I think he just doesn't realize there's a new one. <laughs> Good old Will from Texas. <laughs> All right. Anyway, um, uh, th- there it is. Uh, I have made good though. Uh, Justin can never say that because remember I didn't used to put the ads in Chad. And uh, that was my deal I made with Justin. If we if we condense them all, I'll put all the ads in. And have I been putting them in? Yes, every yes, time. Yes. I, th- I think definitely uh, condensing everything together was good. <laughs> Smart move. All right, so um, we're on number 80. And uh, shall I go first for this one? Yeah, we can switch it around. Yeah, so my number 80 was uh, Antonio Inoki versus Stan Hansen. Uh, from 1980. This is May the 9th. Um, I seem to be higher on this match than practically everybody that I know. <laughs> um, but uh, I, And I really... I'm probably lower on Anoki than practically everybody that you know. I don't, I don't know. I'm surprised. I'm shocked, actually, that you have an Anoki match on this list. And, uh, yeah, I mean, as I said in the beginning, the New Japan stuff kind of took the... I guess has hindered the most, but I do remember when I watched the series, and it's been you know four or five years ago. But I was not a huge fan of this series overall. I thought a couple of the matches were good uh, to very good, but I don't even know if I'd rank. Uh, probably, I think the best match of theirs, which they had what four or five, would uh, kind of. I think I think it sort of top out at four stars. So so this is really high for you. The the, uh, the story of this match was, you know, I hate Anoki as you know. He is the most boring bastard I've ever seen, which which is unfortunate because you look at him and he looks like a Japanese Elvis. <laughs> yeah, he, he looks cool, doesn't he? With yeah, it does. With his big chin, and yes. then, and then he, and the crowd love him and he's charismatic, and then the match starts and it's like oh. You're just going to sit there in a headlock for the next 15 minutes? Okay. Here, Stan Hansen basically forces him. He actually is dragging Anoki by the nose, pretty much, through, like, he's basically, like, 
it doesn't matter. You're going to take every bump I'm going to... I'm, you know, if you're not going to take the suplex, I'm going to make you take the suplex. And um, for me, best Anoki match I've seen for that reason. Actually, it's not the... I've got another Anoki match, but it's the best kind of, like, Anoki as boring bastard match um, that uh, that I can think of because even against his will, Stan Hansen makes him have a good match. So that's that's why I love that's why I love that one. Well, so my uh number eighty is a match I w- I'd be interested to see what you think it is. Samoa Joe versus Necro Butcher from June eleventh, two thousand five. This is IWA Mid South. And this was their first show in the ECW arena and I, don't, I mean, to me, the 2000s, I was all about the indies, as we talked about. I mm-hmm. pretty much checked out on WWF, mostly in college. And so this match is a violent spectacle. It only goes about 10 minutes. There's some absolutely disgusting bumps onto a guardrail with no give. Uh, there's a... a, a power slam that Necro Butcher takes face first on concrete, if you can even imagine that. Um, it, it's it's just a violent, crazy match part that I would... I don't I don't know if you'd love it or hate it, but I, I think it'd be interesting to get your thoughts well, on it. Joe is somebody I, I'm actually predisposed to like as a kind of like, I don't know, second coming of Wahoo or something like that, just because of his stiffness. Um... So, yeah, I'd, I'd give it. I don't see why I wouldn't like a match like that. So. And have you ever seen the, the Necro Butcher? Um, I don't. I want to say that I probably haven't. You know, and maybe, maybe the the thing is though, Chad, we watch so much wrestling. I can't remember. And a lot of the lucha guys called Necro blend into one for me, you know. Okay, well, yeah, no. This is if if you have a lucha guy in your head, you definitely need to Google him to he, see he, what he looks he, like. He's not. Uh, he's not a lucha guy. No, it's Necro N E C R O. He is a meth head from the south, is what he looks like. He has a weed plant on his. Uh, on his arm tattoo. <laughs> Let me just have a look at this guy. I'll tell you yeah, if I, please, please. I, I'll tell you if I've seen a match with him or not. No, 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 no. <laughs> Christ, he looks like someone I would break him bad. Yes, he was. <laughs> he is a interesting character and insane. Really, like because he kind of looks a bit like Buck Robley. Yeah, so I would say. Uh, okay, no, well, th- there we go then. If I. I was uh, clearly thinking of somebody else. Um, awesome. so, so who, who, who? Where are we now? Seventy nine. Yep, seventy nine. Uh, it's another jumbo match, Chad. Another Rick Martel match. Jumbo oh. versus Rick Martel from nineteen eighty five, um, from September the twenty ninth. And I think I rewatched this recently with the uh, with that super show I did with Stephen. We 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 watched this one again, um, again just to kind of. Uh, and I think isn't this. Is this from All Japan or AWA? I can't remember. Um, um, it's it's, uh, it's it's in St. Paul. I, I want to say the AWA title is involved in this yes. one. Um, yeah. Good, this just, is the one that's in St. Paul. Yeah, um, good match. Um, obviously, I think it's a very good match because I've got it here. I gave it four and three quarters. Um, again, you can see, you know, I, I think Martel's like a perfect opponent for Jumbo. Somebody who can just 
take any bump, sell the shit out of any mat work that you give him. Um, in, f- in fact, I mean, pretty much put Rick Martel in there with a really good opponent, and he'll give you a good match. Uh, and uh, again, I, I actually think Jumbo from that kind of early kind of 80 to 85 period is a bit underrated like I think people kind of on the I I seem to remember when we were going through this stuff people were saying he's a bit boring or they weren't into him or you know it's a slightly different style you know because it's a bit slower than the big bombs that we see later in the 80s um that's one of the better matches in in that style I would say yeah I mean he's not he's not portraying himself as this you know evil foreigner heel either um this is a very action-paced match good very good match but uh not in my top 100 so your 79 my 79 is cm punk versus john cena money in the bank 2011 a very famous match one that i don't think quite holds up maybe um where a lot of people have it at five stars, I have it at four and three quarters. But still, to me, one of the better matches in WWF history. And like I said, during the 2000s, I was uh, insanely into the indies. And up to 2010, 2011, I was kind of mundane in wrestling. And uh, that that summer, I, I really kind of pinpoint i mean i went to wrestlemania 27 and that was great but but this match and this time frame in particular until they botched it with the booking but this sort of signifies me i guess becoming the wrestling person i became in the past five years Uh, this match is greatly responsible for that where after this match i felt very vitalized i did the uh, all japan set i did ditches japan 2004 stuff i started posting more regularly on pwo whereas for the previous three four years i'd been lurking and i'd been lurking mostly on uh dvd vr since the early 2000s um this is where i kind of stepped out of my shell and started posting more um there was kind of an annoying poster named jerry von kramer that was making these ridiculous claims about ted dibiase uh so so there was just a lot going on and it was kind of i guess this was i think still to this day the last magical time where i really became a fan was kind of encapsulated in this match now I, I don't want to be a dick, Chad, but um, I reviewed this match uh, back in February, and I did not like it. <laughs> yeah, I, I can see it not. I mean, when I watched it for the 100 matches you need to watch before you die, I'd, I'd kind of built it up where I thought this might be the best match in WWE history, and I didn't come out of that. Um, there's quite a yeah. few matches I have ahead of I, it. Just a couple of lines from my review, Chad. Kickouts can't substitute for psychology. Um, I do not understand on what planet something like this would have the same rating as Flair vs. Steamboat <laughs> at the Triton Rumble. So, I gave it three and three quarters. Oh, God. How <laughs> contrarian. <laughs> I, I say I'm not being contrarian, I'm just, you know. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, yeah, it just it seemed very WE main event to me. Um, so, I was very disappointed with it. Um, where are we on the list? 90, uh, 90, uh, sorry, 79, 78. This is, you know, this is going to be the running gag. 
when, when Pete listens to the show, it's uh, yeah. Uh, do what? Do what number is it? Yeah, what number is this? <laughs> Seventy-eight is um, Jim Brakes versus Vic Faulkner from um, uh, July the fifth, nineteen seventy-seven, and I think that's the first seventies match on my list. Um, that's interesting. Now. Jim Brakes, Chad. How much Jim Brakes have you seen? Jim Brakes, I have watched about five or six matches, and he, I will just say it because this is the first Brakes, he is not on my top 100 list. And of the five or six matches I've watched of him, I've ranked them all four stars, but I have not ranked them ahead of four and a half. He, he had that match with Steve Gray that I really loved. I had it at four and a half. Um... But yeah, so he he'll be probably the highest ranked worker in my eyes that does not have one match in my top one hundred, and that might change as I get more versed in world of sport. Mm. But uh, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Well, I would say that if you were going to start watching breaks, this match wouldn't be a bad one to start with. Um, really, really good uh, psychology. Um, there's a you know he doesn't like his nose being attacked <laughs> um and that's one of the little stories of this uh match he's constantly uh jawing um you know the you know the gym break special chad yes is a really <laughs> sick move uh and he um and he he does a version in this match where he actually stomps on it as well it's so painful looking. It looks like it would legitimately break somebody's wrist. So, uh, yeah, I, I just think it's such a good match, this one. Real heat. Uh, that's one of the things in World of Sport is that sometimes you get a crowd that, you know, is polite. Here, the crowd is really on... Um, breaks, on, yeah. on, on breaks here. Yeah. And Vic Faulkner, a lot of fire. A lot of fire as a... Um, uh, baby face, sick limb work throughout. So, yeah, one of the one of the best matches in that style that I've seen. So, cool. My number seventy eight is El Dandy versus El Santanico from the ten twenty six nineteen ninety. This is CMLL. Uh, this this I, I kind of equate to a hodgepodge match. They do wrestling, they do high flying, they do brawling. It's kind of runs the gambit of all the spectrum of wrestling that I enjoy and they very uh, succinctly and effectively during this match and organically kind of transitioned into those styles. So uh, to me, just a really fabulous match that sets up an even better match that'll be higher up on my list. So my uh, 77 is Masawa and Kabashi versus Kawada and Tawe from 6193 which we discussed before yep so let me just record that and then we can move right on to my 77 which is vader versus nobuhiko takata from 818 1994 which is uh from the promotion uwfi now i think even if you don't like shoot style you would like this match par but definitely uwfi of the shoot style promotions definitely had more kind of uh i guess what you call it theatrics or uh, more kind of what you would generally think of in modern Japanese kind of strong style overtones. It's got Vader um, in it. 
Yeah, but yeah. So Vader kind of comes in as this monster to be reckoned with, and he had three matches with Takata, and uh, this is probably their most uh, famous one, but just one of the better Suji style matches of all time, and a great kind of war um, that you feel is well earned when you get to the culmination. Okay, well, my uh, next one is. Christ, sorry, uh, Pete, if you're listening. Uh, 76. 76, yeah. This is Cowboy <laughs> Bill Watts and Stagger Lee versus the Ooh. Midnight Express. One of my favorite, uh, favorite storytelling matches uh, of all time. I think it's the only appearance of the Midnight Express on my list. Um, this is from 422.84. And this match is all about working around limitations. It's about working smart, um, and it's just a masterpiece for me. Uh, it's like uh, uh, Condry and Eaton's masterpiece, uh, this match. How they managed to make a match like this with, I mean, Staggerly is Junkyard Dog, if you don't know, um, and Bill Watts, who's like, what, five years retired at this point? Yeah, I mean, way, way over the hill as a regular yeah, performer. And, I mean, literally, what his offense is like four punches at the end of this match. <laughs> but if you want to see psychology uh, and storytelling, that is just one of my all-time favorite. And, really, I would, like, I was debating how high I could realistically go with that match. Uh, I think 76 is a pretty good place for it. Yeah, that's, that's one that probably deserves a rewatch for me. I, I know this has a great angle. A series of angles kind of leading up to it and really is cornet some just classic cornet stuff so yeah, n- not a bad pick so my number 76 is uh, Mitsuharu Masawa versus Kenta Kobashi from 10-21-1997 and this is the series of singles matches that shows up the most on my list overall and uh, this is the first of many to come. This came down uh, from their January 97 match. I think this one's really, really great. They sort of stepped back a bit and didn't want to make this one as quote-unquote epic as the previous one. Uh, but I find it just to be very effective, compact, which, you know, still 30 minutes. But for them, kind of a compact version of their match that I greatly enjoyed. Um, so... We're looking at 75, and right. this is a match that you do not like, Chad. It's uh, the final conflict, Slaughter and Knoedel versus <laughs> Steamboat and Youngblood uh, from March 12th. Sorry, yeah, March 12th, yep. 83. Yeah, um, yeah. we talked about this way back on Where the Big Boys Play 3, I want to say. Um, and uh, I like the match a good bit more than you did. Cause, uh, yeah, it's it's one that I, I I do like this match a good bit, but it's not one that I guess I don't feel uh, is up to the hype it gets, you know. Yeah, and uh, you know, first is that the first appearance of Ricky Steamboat? I think that is the first appearance of Steamboat on either list, and he yeah. will be showing up a good bit on mine coming mm. coming forward. Second appearance of Sergeant Slaughter, so. On my list, so there we go. Um, your next one. 
now my next one, and I'm interested if this one made your list, but uh, this this predates all the way to where the big boys play one, and it's Roddy Piper versus Greg Valentine dog collar match, Starcade 1983. Yeah, it's, it's it's not on my list, Chad. Not on your list. Not, oh, I'm surprised. Um, I, I think this is just a violent, visceral, you know, bloody graphic match and uh for my money piper's best match of all time so i I love it and i actually i think this is the only valentine i have on my list and that's a guy i like a good bit so again another guy that i really really like in greg valentine now have you seen all those tito santana matches that fought up yeah i've watched them um i mean the cage match and I, I, i like that series um I guess that's a debate for another day. Right. Um, I, I like that series a lot. I don't know if I like that series as well as Will and Pete have kind of lamented on in podcast form, whereas yeah. I see it as a very good series, but kind of uh, not head and shoulders above everything else that's going on. It, in WF in 85, yeah, it probably yeah. is, though, you know? It probably is, but... Let me put it this way: Like I probably like their cage match together better than Savage versus DiBiase that you had at number one hundred. Yeah, but I don't think they're that far apart. Okay. Whereas I would say they would both Will and Pete would think they're a good bit apart. Yeah, I, and I mean that placement of that match at a hundred. I am very very high on that Savage DiBiase match. Right. So. Which which I like that. I mean, like I would probably have the Tito Valentine at maybe four and a quarter. I'd have that Savage DiBiase match at four stars. So right, they're they're yeah. pretty close. Yeah. Um. Okay. So what are we looking at here? Uh, it's another Jim Break Jim Breaks match, uh, Chad. It's uh, Jim Breaks versus Johnny Saint from mm, May yes. the 5th 73 yeah this is one I've actually have seen um, now this one I gave four and three quarters they actually have a number, a couple of matches this is the second match um, which is more of a kind of world of sports style sprint if you want it's like really heated from start to finish and um, the story is is that State Saint comes in already pissed off you know um, and th- this has just got some amazing breaks uh, character work as every breaks match has. At one point, he just screams at him, "Watch the nose, <laughs> watch the nose, Saint." Um, so oh, I just love Jim Breaks, Chad, and I I don't know like how well he translates to a to a US viewer. Um, that's something I'm interested in. But to me, he's just like I was- so northern. Yeah, I, I think better than um, I would say better than most of the world of sport wrestlers, at least to me. I mean, I've, I've talked about a little bit on these shows, but he hasn't came in, so I haven't talked about it a lot. But my dad loved Lord Stephen Regal mm-hmm. when he came in, kind of that elitist, and I think you get a good bit of that from Breaks and how he portrays himself. But it, but like Breaks is more of a kind of like in my mind, a kind of. Like, because uh, he has the crybaby thing, but he's also hard. Like, he looks hard as nails to me, and um, he's more kind of like rough and working class than a, than a regal would be in my mind. But he's still like absolutely a heel. Um, I'd like to think that he could get he could have got over in the states. Whereas I wouldn't say that about Johnny Saint, for example. Um, as good as Saint, and Saint I think is pretty good. 
I think I like him more than OJ does. But uh, yeah, do you think Briggs could get over in the US? Yeah, I, I think based on his character, there's no doubt that he would have been. I mean, you think about like how Adrian Street was, and I mean, sure, Street was a little more, I guess, overly flamboyant character. But uh, I think Briggs would have handled himself fine. Great. So your 74. My 74, another match I'm interested to see if you ranked, was uh, Kenta Kobashi and Tenru. Or no, I'm sorry, Kenta Kobashi and uh, Jumbo. I misspoke. Versus Stan Hansen and Tenru. And this is from 7-15-1989. Now, this was the match I seemed to be higher on than anybody else on the All Japan set. Wasn't he wearing a pair of red trunks, though, Kobashi? Yes, yes. This is very, very young Kobashi. This is probably, to me, his first great match yeah he, he that match did not make my list okay i thought this was kind of his coming out party so to speak where i mean he's clearly the number four guy here but uh he shows that he can go toe-to-toe oh, a little bit oh, with Hanson. Oh, hold on is it is it um july 15th 89 yes oh it did make my list sorry okay. it is okay. yeah it's a fair bit higher actually yeah yeah so this i knew i thought you were high on this one but i yeah. ranked this one number four on my all japan listing i was really high on it uh just yeah. greatly enjoyed it I, I gave it four and three quarters i seem to uh, recall yeah. yeah very high on that one and um the, the first kind of like um he doesn't he take an absolute kicking in that match yeah, yeah. He, he takes a pretty good beating but he kind of is uh he doesn't back down, you know, so it's, it sort yeah. of gives him some cred. It's what, in Cork and all, so... What, what do they call it? Fighting spirit? Yes, this uh, that's a good... This shows kind of Kobashi's fighting spirit in front of the Cork and the hardcores. So, uh, 73, second appearance of the man DiBiase on my list, Chad. It's Ted DiBiase versus Magnum TA from May the 27th, 1984... Um, and this is one of the two matches that they had on the same day uh, from right. Mid-South. Have you seen this one? I've seen both of them. Um, liked them both. Don't love either of them. So. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm super high on that. I think it's one of, like, I think it's Magnum TA is super, super hot. Um, demonstrates, like, DBRC is a world-class heel, in my mind. Um, he wasn't actually around in Mid-South at this point. He's literally just, like, flying in, working this one shot and gone again um but yeah you look at the way the dbrc feeds magnum in that match and um yeah i don't know i to me it demonstrates uh why i'm so high on him um but i also think magnum ta is really uh he's one guy chad i've thought about for the top 100 like like is there a limit on how short the guys one can be yeah uh, i really like magnum in, yeah, he was. I mean, he's kind of a sneaky pick. Where I guess you only have what three or four years of him. But uh, do you remember the Wahoo match that we liked quite a lot? Really good. Yeah, they got that. You got the. Uh, I liked his actual match with Flair that was on the AWA set. Kind of their touring match. I yeah, it's good. It's a good one. And he's been cropping up on NWA classics. If anybody's been paying attention to that, right? So. Yes. Yes. So your 73. My 73 was my match of the year for 2014. That was Atlantis versus Ultimo Guerrero from uh, CMLL, September 19th. Uh, Mass versus Mask, an actual Mass versus Mask match where it wasn't 
painfully obvious who was losing their hood. <laughs> um, highly um, a very emotional match. Not, I guess, the best match as far as in between the ropes, but just just kind of shows how once you take on a persona, how I guess your career is dictated by this mask and how important it is is uh, when uh, Guerrero ends up losing his mask in this match, he's just bawling afterwards and his family and everybody and it's it's a real emotional scene. Uh, so so a great kind of emotionally charged match. What was the date on that one again, Chad? It's uh, September 19th. Of what year, sorry? Uh, last year. It Last was, year, okay. Yeah, it was my match of the year for 2014. Okay, so so <clears throat> my next one is, um, this is 72. It's Masawa and Kawada taking on Kenta Kabashi and Giant Baba from November the 27th, 1992. Uh, reviewed it on All Japan Excite Series. I absolutely loved it. <laughs> Couldn't have loved it more. Um, and just like I was saying with the with the Bill Watts Stagger Lee versus Midnight's thing, I mean the the way the way they sell for Barber in this is just like I mean I don't know I just think like to have a match like this with like those three workers and Barber in '92 and for that match to be as good as it is again is just like psychology so. Uh, have you seen that one? Yeah, I have, but that's one I definitely need to rewatch. I haven't seen that match probably in a good seven, eight years since I yeah. really kind of plowed through all the All Japan 90 stuff. So that's certainly what, one I need to It wasn't to on the yearbook, that one? It is, but I haven't done 92. Oh, right, okay. So, so. so 92, the top matches that I knew I really liked from 92 were one of the few matches that are rewatched specifically for compiling this list like i said i probably watched about 10 matches let's say and uh like five of them were from 92 in in terms of workers who've risen in my estimation i don't think there's anybody who's risen quite as much as barber in the past year or two yeah but yeah, bob bob is a i think great big man worker certainly yeah uh, so my number 72, and this is another match I'd be interested to see if you have, is Jumbo Saruta and Akira Taue versus Masawa and Kawada from September 30th, 1990. Yeah, absolutely. Is this the one where um, Taue gets the pin? Yes, 45-minute, well, this is a draw, actually. 45-minute draw. Yeah, no, I have this one. Okay. September the 30th, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have it, yeah. So a 45-minute draw just kind of showed, I guess, a... uh, To me, it kind of shows a shift in the style where you saw a lot lot longer that they could go long here. You know, 45 minutes, uh, kept up the pace. Masala and Kawada were great as a team. It's in Kurikan, so the crowd was really heated. There's just a lot kind of going for this match to me, and it, it shows that the... Jumbo versus the Young Guns feud had a lot of legs left to it, even after Jumbo had just beat Masawa in the uh, in the uh, singles match on nine one. So this sort of still revitalized that feud some more. Yeah, and um, I mean, I reviewed that on All Japan Excite a while back. Um, I just loved the dynamic of um, 
like Tawei kind of becoming more and more heelish under the tutelage of Grumpy Jumbo. Yeah, I think this does show Tawei kind of coming into his own where, you know, at the very, very beginning of this feud, he was almost all on Kawada's side. And then once Fuchi steps back a little bit, he really becomes uh, Jumbo's number two and he kind of solidifies himself in that position with this match. Yeah. And uh, for a forty for a forty five minute match, it does hold the attention as well. Sure, you know, because um, uh, I can't remember who it was. In fact, I think it was OJ recently saying uh, that tag matches shouldn't be shouldn't go that long. I think that would be one match I'd point to that is uh, evidence against that claim. Yeah. So, um, so what are we looking at now? Um, number seventy one. Yep. This is, if you remember, Chad, one we watched for the TV special, the AC's TV special. It's uh, the six-man, Flair, Arn, and Tully, the four horsemen, taking on Lex Luger, Barry Windham, and Sting from uh, April the 3rd, 88. I remember that being a ton of fun. Sting was super over at that point. Um, Luger and Windham, you know, really good in 88. I just remember that, that one being one of the matches that kind of blew me away doing that um, TV run. It was probably one of the matches I was highest on coming out of that. So yeah, That's a fun, fun, interesting pick. Uh, didn't make my list, but a, a really good match. My number 71 is one that you just reviewed like a month ago, and it's Steve Williams, Dr. Death versus Kawada, 4-16-1994, the Champions Carnival Final. Um, did did that one make your list? Yeah, this may be one case where we are closest, Chad, because I, it's about five matches away on my okay, list. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's that's really close. Um, so so I guess we can both kind of briefly touch on. I I just really think like this shows Williams as a a, a best Williams looks for yeah. starters. Um, and I think Kawada is just pretty incredible in this. Shows that he has a lot to uh, kind of go after Masala with now. That he's able to overcome the odds, win the Champions Carnival, and uh, if he's not the one A, he's the one B in the promotion. So uh, just a great kind of match to set up stuff for the future. I'll just say it again in that match. Steve Williams takes a DDT from the railings to the concrete, which is absolutely insane. <laughs> yeah. So, um, all right. So, next match for me, uh, number 70, back in AWA land, Chad. It's Buddy Rose and Doug Summers taking on the Midnight Rockers. Uh, this is the 1987 match, the January 17th, 87. Yeah, cage match. Yeah. Is that one on your list? That is not on my list. That was one that was uh, very close. I did not have a lot of AWA. I'll just be up front. I think I have two AWA. So, I mean, those three matches, I remember there's one I'm slightly lower on. The one that Matt D critiqued famously. Yeah, that's the one on Christmas Day. That's actually the same. I I think, because let me get this, because I know that Bachwinkle... Martell, Hennig match, Hennig match yeah. yeah, that one's. I think it's like in St. Paul, but I guess one of those was on Christmas Day and one of them aired Christmas Day or something. Because I don't think they're in the same. 
that was the same show. But don't doesn't... all of those matches have like cool names like the Brawl in St. Paul, Blood in the Sand? I, I don't remember yeah, which, yeah, they, which one is which. But... There's a couple that have... Uh, well, this one I think is actually in the showboat, if I remember correctly. That's right. So that was kind of an interesting dynamic to see a cage there. And this is maybe... Um, I'll just tell you, Chad, there's another, there's another match from this uh, feud just a couple of places above this one. Right. This may be the only appearance of Shawn Michaels on my list. Oh, man. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess, yeah, I mean, I guess besides the, uh, I'm trying to think besides the Hell in a Cell, I don't know if I have any single stuff of him. Yeah. I guess we'll see. Razor Ramon? No, I did, I did not have the ladder match on there. That's the I'm match not, I have not a big, four and a half. I'm not a big fan of ladder matches, you see. So... Uh, that's one reason why that match is not there. <laughs> yeah, that might be a, a real famous match that people are surprised are not on either of our lists. But again, yeah. that for me falls into the really, really great, but not quite great enough. Yeah. Okay. But um, yeah, I mean, superheated brawl, uh, probably like Doug Summers' best work ever, <laughs> only good work ever. Um, Buddy Rose, kind of towards the end of his career, but really, really good. Um, so what's your next one um my number 70 is royal rumble 1992 sorry i just spat out my that's such a cheat chad that's such a cheat but carry on (laughs) not a cheat it's a match (laughs) all right royal rumble 92 yes uh you know what what more is there to say about this best rumble match of all time flair uh I, i think when I watched all the rumbles a couple of years ago for Voices of Wrestling doing their Rumble Rewind, it it certainly held up, and uh, I really enjoy this one. I mean, I, I guess I'm a, I am a sucker for the Royal Rumble. I don't know. I know it's silly that you win a battle royal to main event WrestleMania, but I'm a sucker for it, and I think this one's clearly the best. Post-match promo, excellent as well. Yeah, that's one of the better Flair promos, really, of all time. Honestly, every Flair, every promo he did in 92 was just the best thing ever. Um, Because I love his WrestleMania ones as well. So, anyway, um, it's a great match. The commentary is obviously amazing. Mm -hmm. The only thing that knocks it down slightly, Chad, is uh, entrance one and two. Painful. <laughs> what seeing Ted get eliminated that easy or what? Yeah. Yeah, that's I mean that's one of the matches where you you talk about matches you can remember and I know I've watched this match probably fifty times, but I mean just just little stuff like he doesn't like flair, you know, monsoon saying yeah. that, Savage eliminating himself, uh, the pop when Piper comes and running out crazy. Yeah, I can remember a lot of that match in good detail. I've seen it. I've seen it a lot, um, but I didn't. I didn't even think of including a Royal Rumble match, you know. So um, that would probably get in my list if uh, if I knew if I remember that Royal Rumbles are allowed. <laughs> um, so sixty nine. Yep. So this is Greg Valentine taking on Bob Backlund, recently reviewed on Titans of Wrestling. Uh, November the 23rd, 81. Have you seen this one? Yes, this was a very good surprise. I actually uh, seeked this one out uh, based off of Titans. Yeah, well, I mean, you can go back and listen to that review there, but one of Backlund's 
best uh, title defenses. Um, Greg, just psychology, just really good work. What stiff, um, you know, and Valentine is kind of like one of the most closely matched backland opponents. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That's the key to me. Is this really feels like where backland takes a beating and kind of has to overcome the odds. Yeah, uh, and, which I and think he, he's best at. He'll actually sell for Valentine, right. which is key. Um. So, your next one. I have uh, Kenta Kobashi versus uh, Yoshihiro uh, Takayama from February, uh, I'm sorry, April 25th, 2004. Like I said, when I did my 2004 Ditch rankings, I had this at number two. But after uh, thinking about it and pondering, this is my uh, number one. I think of Kobashi's GHC title reign. This is my favorite match of his. This is kind of... No, I don't know if you'd like this match or not. It's it's pretty spot heavy, but kind of just feels like two kind of lumbering, aging gods going out there and having a slugfest, you know. Um, but I do think they mix in some psychology as well. So overall, I think it feels very epic, but not kind of epic just for the sake of being epic, if that makes sense. So my, my next one is Ric Flair taking on Ricky Morton. This is from 1986, July the 5th. Um, and this is where Morton has his uh, broken nose, I believe. Yeah. Uh, and the match is built around Flair mashing that nose in. Uh, we see Flair on offense for good portions of the match. But there's the narrative of him un- underestimating Morton. Um so yeah, uh, the second appearance of Ricky Morton on my list. I take it you didn't rank this one, Jack. No, and that's another one that I really, really like, but didn't rank. Um, starting all up here. I believe that match is one that is on the Ric Flair DVD. Yes, in full. And um, that's one one match where I love the lack of commentary because you really. The first time I watched that, I really felt I was in the actual arena with them. You know. Right. Camera work is great for that match, so carry on. Um, my number 68 is a, ma- is a series we just talked about. Um, it's Buddy Rose and Doug Summers versus the Midnight Rockers, and this is the Blood in the Sand match from August 30th, 1986. Uh, dude, I thought this was a great feud, and um, I mean, this is a great match, all time blade job, very dramatic, fall. Uh, pretty clearly one of the best AWA matches of the 80s and um, one of the better matches overall. When I did the AWA set, I had my number one and number two were never in doubt, and I thought they were kind of a cut above the rest of the set for me, and this was uh, my number two match of so, that set. So you ha- you have this match um, like clearly above the 87 one that I've just mentioned? Yeah, yeah, even though like they'd probably be kind of ranked the same, um... I may have the 87 match at four and a half, but uh, they're they're close ranking wise. But I think this one is where, I mean, up at this point at number 68, we're knocking on the door of it. Might be five stars in my eyes. It's it's a high end four and three quarters for me. Right. Okay. Um, so my next one. Oh, and they they recently reviewed that series on Tag Teams Back Again. So yes. I'd recommend uh, yes, Marty and uh, Kelly. Well, checking that all that 
Yeah, I, I, Which I, I, love that. I, I love that series. I mean, I thought I thought all what we had what six matches together of them. Plus, you had the uh, matches with the the valets with Sherry with, with Sherry Edis yeah. or whatever. And uh, I, I, that whole series I thought was fantastic. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I could go and watch, go and listen to the tag teams back again. Um, I I uh, I love the dynamic between those two, Chad. Marty and uh, <laughs> Kelly, you've got kind of like the older head and the like full of piss and vinegar. Marty. Yeah, very uh, enthusiastic, Marty. So sixty-seven, Chad is uh, Stan Hansen versus Carlos Colon from Ooh. January the sixth, eighty-seven. Have you seen this one? I have seen their series all together. Um, now, is this the bull rope or is this the cage or is this just one of their regular? Uh, th- let me just double check. I don't think it was the blow off. Um, I think this was one of the earlier matches in the series okay. that I thought was uh, really good. Um, I was I reviewed the entire series in one night, if you recall. Yes, um, a whirlwind. <laughs> yeah, and um, and then a bunch of other people did it. Trend set apart. <laughs> um, uh, and I'm just trying to uh, remember which uh, match this was in the series, but I remember it being one of the earlier ones because um, the the blow off has all of the um, all of the like the run ins and stuff. Yeah, in the no DQ and in the cage yeah. and everything. Yeah, it was all a bit much for me that, um, and it kind of like took the edge off. Like I I ultimately want a proper finish, but um, this I thought was you know a real showcase for um stan hansen basically um who yeah. i'm super high on chad yeah this really if great feud am i higher on hansen than you by this point do you think i think so i think we'll be pretty similar when we submit our greatest wrestler ever ballots i know when i did my uh post i <laughs> kind of funningly omitted him but uh, out of this moment, he'd probably be my number six if I had to turn in a ballot today. So oh, he, he's got to be in the same kind of neighborhood. Okay, so just to um, just to this is the Texas ball rope match, Chad. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. But and the blow off was in the cage, if you remember. Yes. So, yeah. So th- so this is um, probably the only four corner stip match I've got on my on my list and it's definitely the best one I've ever seen so uh, there we go yeah that was a great match great great match great feud I'd recommend seeking it out I think I think even if you're predominantly WWF WCW fan you would enjoy that feud as a whole as it was very thematic um, yeah. overall my number 67 is CM Punk versus Brock Lesnar from SummerSlam 2013 I, I just think this is a great match I, I there's not much to say about this it's kind of I guess CM Punk's last great match at this point in his uh, career and he uh, had a, a ton of false finishes that I bit for but didn't see overblown and I, I thought it made Brock look like a monster and it kind of just made me salivate for a rematch that more than likely will never happen. I remember being in the bar uh, watching this at a Buffalo Wild Wings and just everybody was going crazy uh, throughout the last five to ten minutes of this match. So Brock is a guy I'm super high on, Chad. Um, 
and I'm not sure if I've seen this one. I, I want to. I would think you would like this one. Yeah, I'm not sure if I've uh, seen. I I remember not liking Punk's rather hype match with the uh, Cena, right? Um, which just seemed to be a false finish fest. But I w- I could imagine that being really good. In fact, I think I watched this match as it happened. SummerSlam, right? Yes, SummerSlam 2013. No, it was a a really good match. Um, Just one that, you know, kind of slipped out of my mind. But, uh, yeah, okay, great. Um, So, my next one is The Blood on the Sand. Oh, cool. So, we're really close around that one. Yep. So, what's your 66? My 66 is Bret Hart versus Owen Hart from WrestleMania 10. Um... A great, great match. We talked about oh, it. God. I almost spat out my Pepsi again. 66, Chad, for that one. Yes. Okay. Carry on. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's on my list, but quite a bit higher than that. Okay, yeah, well, maybe four and three quarters again. Um, very, uh, very tough. Um, but yeah, this, this to me, like, I mean, I have one younger brother... And I thought this feud up to this point really displayed maybe not necessarily the hatred sometimes you have for your sibling, but that inner rivalry that will just come out, whether you're doing, you know, shooting hoops outside, playing a game, um, you know, wrestling around when you were kids, just any type of situation. And I thought that was really portrayed here where, you know, up to even to this day, my brother kind of feels a little bit like how Owen does where he feels like for some reason I get more of the uh, spotlight and are you the older brother Chad? yes I'm the older brother so yeah, I, see, kinda... see, I, I am also the older brother and um, there's six years between uh, my brother and I and um, yeah I, I I completely understand this uh, this more than you might imagine yeah <laughs> yeah um, because of uh, well I'll just say my brother's a very different type of character to me, Chad. And um, I, like, it's such a difficult thing to articulate, but this match does get into it. Right. Um, I mean, me and my brother are still close, but there's always kind of an underlying, I guess, resentfulness. Like a Um, simmering kind of under... something that could come to the surface if we really push the envelope. Um yeah. It's an interesting dynamic, but there's something I really love with this match, and I kind of felt like as the feud progressed, they sort of lost that, even though they added, like, Jim Neidhart, David Boy Smith, all that. I, I felt like this was kind of the peak of the feud, actually. And uh, uh, one of the best um, kind of storylines over the course of one event, because, of course, you have Owen coming out later, because even though Owen beats him, Right. Remember, remember, Brett yeah, yeah. The title he later comes, comes to the entryway, and they invite yeah. him in, and then he just turns around just and leaves. One of the best WrestleMania like stories, moments, etc. For me, if not the number one uh, WrestleMania match for me. So, um, yeah, I, I'm really I'm a lot higher on it than you are. So, um, uh, well, I say higher on it. I, it's, for me, it's a five-star match and right. one that is pretty high, far high up my list. So, um, where are we? Number sixty-one. Uh, sixty-five. Sixty-five. Um, this is the Steve Williams versus Kawada. Okay, cool. 
So, your 65? Okay, my 65 is one that I assume you'll have up on your list, and it's the uh, 420 1991 six man tag from All Japan Masawa, Kawada, Kabashi versus Jumbo, Taoe, and Fuchi. Uh, now, what I talked about on the 930 90 tag match kind of amplified as this goes 50 minutes, carries a pace, has so much overlaying storytelling. Uh, just a magnificent match overall. Yep, again a lot higher up my um, list. So my next one is um, this is War Games '87. Oh, with uh, the one with Paul Ellering in it, the very yeah. first yeah, War not Games. War Machine. <laughs> yeah, the July July the fourth '87. Yeah. The Army. Um, a match we reviewed at some point <laughs> on where the big boys play, whatever it was. And, uh, yeah, just a great piece of storytelling, brutal match. You've got Dusty and Arn starting out. You know, it's just a classic match I couldn't leave out of my top 100. So. Yeah, and that one's actually higher for me, which I'm a little bit surprised about. But uh, it's coming up relatively soon. My number 64 is Aja Khan versus Bull Nakano in a cage match from All Japan Women. 11 14 1990 i think this is our first women's match um which i I doubt you probably do not have any on your list no i believe i've seen this match chad um but i just thought i can't put like i just made a decision i'm not going to put any any women's because i haven't explored it properly and it didn't feel right Right. So so this uh, kind of historic leg drop, violent, kind of culminated their feud for a bit, um, even though it had come back around in 92. And uh, just, just again, <laughs> repeating myself, but another great, great match. Yeah, and they're two, they are two workers I could see actually breaking my 100. I'm predisposed to like them both. Are they going to rank for you? Yeah, both of them will rank. Yeah. Um, fairly high both top half i think if i remember correctly yeah i mean just ask kickers right doesn't yeah. doesn't, ma- doesn't matter what gender they are yeah i it's think like, i think Aja kong is essentially like your vader of the female so yeah and uh well i was also thinking hansen for, for that hansen's well. a good comp as well sure yeah so my next match chad more giant barber love this is barber and kimura Versus Tenryu and Hansen from uh, November the 29th, 1989. Two old guys um, versus uh, two guys at the peak of their powers. And um, isn't this the match where Kimura cuts the promo, the emotional promo <laughs> yeah, afterwards? Yeah, this it's, is your old guard versus ass kickers. Yeah, it's just so much like, I don't know, it really stands out in my memory as being special moment uh watching that set and um yeah the, the tenru hansen team like they didn't tag for long but god they were good in that in that run yeah i mean you had the um this match you had that final match that i talked about from uh 12 6 and you also had the uh kabashi jumbo match that we talked about so the, the i mean this one didn't rank for me but it's one i really enjoyed too going through the set your next one 
My next one is uh, Arn Anderson and Larry Zabisco versus Dustin Rhodes and Ricky Steamboat from Clash of the Champions 17. Uh, we we talked about this one fairly recently. In my opinion, the best Southern tag match of all time. Uh, yeah, you know, not Ricky Steamboat. You know, higher up on my list. Yeah, aren't um, aren't freaking out. The reactions to the Steamboat reveal are some of my favorite work of all time. Arn Anderson is just so good, isn't he? <laughs> He's so. It, this is a marvel of him. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I know I'm a fair bit higher on that one. That's uh, pretty high on my list. Um, so my next one is um it's the final Jim Briggs match on the list, Chad. Kay. This is the March the fourteenth, seventy three match against Johnny Sane. And uh for me, uh the best world of sport match I've seen. Um tells a fantastic story. Um like the way that like Johnny Saints, this kind of he's he's trying to be like he's like a nice guy type thing, and Breaks just does everything he can to wind him up and get under his skin and make him lose his temper by the end of it, you know. So um, feeds in very nicely to that other one that uh, is higher up on the list. Um, so yeah, and again, if you haven't seen Jim Breaks before, that wouldn't be a bad place to start. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I watched the March one or the May one. I'll have to go back and look because I only recall one, but I'll definitely have to check I, out I, the other I, one. I'd actually recommend watching them together because together they tell like a re- it's a really good setup payoff one two punch, you know. But this is the setup, and it's just the lengths that Breaks will go to to get a get a rise out of the opponent, you know. So that's cool. Uh, what's your sixty-two? My sixty-two is Stan Hansen versus Andre the Giant, uh, September the twenty-first. I want no September the twenty-third, nineteen eighty-one. Have you seen this one? My birthday, a year before I was born. Um, oh, yes. Uh, now I have this one, two, three, four places above you. Okay, cool. So, I can't remember who first coined this phrase when going through the New Japan set, but somebody said this is like a comic splash page come to life. I think that's kind of the perfect description of really a clash of the, you know, Titans type match that really delivers. Um, I I think it is, Andre, is absolute scariest. Yes. Because the velocity and the hardness with which he's hitting um like he's really like it feels like he's potatoing hansen to me um like you can really hear the thuds as he's laying the shots in right um and you know we're so used to seeing andre do those more kind of gentle slaps and things that um you know it's like you've awakened the monster here and he's working heel, of course. You know, yeah, so. yeah, it's really cool. This is the only Andre on my list. Um, and I, it's the I, only, this only Andre great. on my list, too. Yeah, it, just a great match. And at the, to me, like when you're thinking about Hanson as an all-timer, like nothing from the Cologne series made my top 100, but that's a great feud. And so think about he had that, and he has this match with Andre. He has a match with Anoki. I mean, you talk about a wide spectrum of great matches he's had with different individuals. Absolutely, and uh, still lots more Hanson to come on my sure. list. Yeah, he has a good bit of a more for my list, too. So my next one is Jumbo, uh, and this is the Jumbo versus Kerry Von Erich, the claw match from... Uh, 
5.22.84. Yeah. Now, super memorable. Um, built around uh, the finisher of the claw. Uh, really good match, and I'm surprised that it is not ranked for you, Chad. <laughs> yeah, I don't... I, I, like, going through the set, I seem to be... I guess lower on that match than some. I mean, I had it like ranked number eight, I think overall, but I know like a day Musgrave had it, I think ranked number one on the whole set. Um, I can see that. Yeah, I can see, I, that, I could yeah. see it. I don't, I don't know. That's, that's one, I guess I need to go in the rewatch. Maybe it's just, mm-hmm. I'm not quite as high on Carrie Von Eric as some other people. I mean, it's still four and three quarters for me. And I, I mean, I'll just tell you this, my list goes until, the first five star match is thirty six, so all of these are four and three quarters. Okay. Um. So, but yeah, I like a really, really good match. Um, my number sixty one is another Joshi match. You won't have anything to say about, but it's Aja Kong <laughs> and Bull Nakano versus. Uh, they're actually teaming up versus Akira Hokuto and Shinobu Kandori. Which, if you, uh, I guess, know anything basic about um joshi history is you had nakano and kong who are kind of sworn enemies and been enemies off and on and hokuto and kandori this would be i guess the equivalent of masawa and kawada teaming up after 6394 right um so so it's very odd in this match that you have these two rivals teaming up together against the other team um, and this this is a match that I know Charles and both Pete Elf and going through 1994 actually liked it a little more than I did, uh, and I still thought it was absolutely fantastic. Right. Well, I, I'm I'm actually kind of looking forward to watching more Choshi because the, the, the few matches that I did see, um, I kind of dug it. I dug the atmosphere and I dug the work and. Uh, there's every reason uh, I have every reason to believe that it'll be something uh, that is up my street yeah I think this one has some stuff that you would find kind of goofy with uh, some there. there's one sequence where I can't remember who but I think it's to Okudo gets like five back suplexes in a row <laughs> and then she sort of just kicks out so there's, there's a little bit of that, or it's pile drivers. That's what it is. Like somebody gets like some pile drivers in a row, and then she sort of just kicks out. And there's they run up the entrance way. Uh, so there's a little bit of that, but I think this match tells a rich story and has great action to back it up. So my next one, uh, Chad, is a match that I reviewed fairly recently. It's Brock Lesnar versus The Undertaker. Yes, Hell in a Cell. Hell in a Cell. Yeah. This is October the 20th, 02. Um, Jesus Christ. Uh, That's all I've got to say about that one. Uh, Is this on your list? This is not. And this was another one of my final 10 cuts. I mean, this is a match where they really pushed it to the limits of what I thought was actually possible in a WWE context. Right. Um, Just a. Like bloody, brutal, uh, kind of hate-filled. I'd say. Um, like the the only thing I would say is that at that like O two Brock doesn't quite have the character work down to the extent that he does now. Yeah, yeah. 
He's he's, um, a, he's still. Well, I mean, he's so young. I mean, he's twenty five. There. This is like here's a young punk taking on an old bruiser type thing, and I don't know. I I think it's a really really good match with Three. shocking levels of blood. So. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. I definitely uh, have no qualms about that one making your list. Uh, my number 60 is Masahiro Chono versus Keiji Mudo from 8-11-1991. This is their G1 Climax final. Um, pretty much the match that kind of, I guess, made them in Japan. I mean, that's kind of tough to say, but you had the three musketeers with them and Hashimoto, which yeah. I'm actually, now that I just thought about it, so Hashimoto does not have a match on my top 100. I just realized that. So he now has eclipsed Jim Brakes as the person. And that's a shame. I probably should have found a way to put him versus Jujin Liger on there. But anyway, back to this match. It's, it's you know, two young pups going out there delivering a very classic match for 30 minutes. Uh, sumo Hall. They'll throw their seats in the air to appreciate a great match and there's this wild scene at the end of this match part where there's hundreds literally of the seat cushions in the air uh, (laughs) to show there it's just a it's amazing visual Um, now now is Trono a guy you're high on Chad? no I'm actually and that's one thing too like these two and going through the 90s like Conan most people say Conan sucks and that's true but of every other kind of main event or main star player in any promotion, Chono and Muda have consistently been the two most disappointing people in my eyes, besides Conan. And I actually uh, just watched their 1996 G1 Climax match uh, yesterday between these two. And for some reason, they have really good chemistry with each other. Um, but I don't think they have... I, I mean, I think Muda was basically lazy a lot of the time, but uh, Chono is not someone I think was, I guess, very good. He had snippets of being great, but never consistently. Right. Okay. Well, my next one, Chad, is Ricky Steamboat versus Rick Rude, and this is from Super Brawl uh, '92, the the February the 29th match. Uh, we reviewed it not too long ago. I was uh, kind of blown away by just how great it was and just how well it stands up. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, Rick Rude in 92, one of my all-time favourites of any era. Ricky Steamboat in 92, just at the pit, like, just having a, like, he has a late kind of peak, I'd say, Steamboat. Like a late kind of resurgence um, after being in like injured and WF and you know he that, that run that, that we're watching now Chad is so strong I think so um love that one yeah that's a, a great match um but did not make my list my number 59 <laughs> my num- I had less WCW than I actually thought I did um number 59 for me is Daniel Bryan and John Cena for SummerSlam 2013 now this is my match of the year for 2013 yeah uh, did you not like this one nope why um 
This is the, the, the Cena versus Punk, yeah? No, Cena versus Brian from SummerSlam. Oh, oh yeah. No, actually, this is a good match. Sorry. Okay, yeah. yeah I, I, I had the wrong match. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. To me, this is a match that gets better and better for sure every time I watched it. I've watched it like four or five times now, or when I left the uh, Buffalo Wild Wings the night of SummerSlam 2013, I thought to myself, uh, I think I like Punk versus Lesnar as a match of the night. But uh, since then, I flip-flopped those two. And uh, this one's very inching closer and closer to five stars every time I watch it. And every time I do watch it, there's just something a little extra that I see that I uh, greatly enjoy. And I think just having Cena be pinned clean in the middle of the ring by Brian was very selfless. I mean, we've seen Cena be very selfless as a worker on top. But this was kind of the first huge inclination that he would do that um, when he did this for Brian. Yeah, I I need to uh, I need to review that soon actually, because um, that's one where I've watched it, but I haven't allocated a star rating. So I'd be interested to see if I would give it the give it the fun. I remember enjoying it quite a lot. So, um, and I didn't have a great deal of fun on that particular event. I seem to recall that's a SummerSlam, right? Yeah, I know you were hating on like the Kane Bray Wyatt Inferno match and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that was the time where I was just watching the Big Four. Right, I, right. I, I kind of watch a few more pay per views now. Um, anyway, um, so uh, where are we? Fifty-eight. Fifty-eight. This is Billy Robinson versus Nick Bockwinkle from twelve eleven eighty. A masterpiece of uh, mat work, of struggle, of stiffness, of greatness of both guys. So uh, I love Billy Robinson. I love Bach. I think Bach really, I mean, he's been on my list quite quite a bit, Chad. He's probably like a top 10 guy for me. Um, yeah, you and Matt point. be carrying the torch there. Yeah, I, I, I feel like um, people aren't as high on Bok as they should be. Because, like, like, in my mind, in terms of just talent, he's probably as good as Ric Flair is. Um, it's just that Flair has got so many more matches, I guess. Yeah, um, I think it's tape. a quantity issue. Um, yeah, th- this this may be, like, the final conflict match for me. Um you don't like it? As I, much I, as everyone I else? like it, but I, I never seem to like it as much as everyone else. I know when the uh, when the results of the All Japan came out, like I, I had it at like number twenty five. I think I ranked it on that set. Like I thought it was very good, but uh, nothing. I, I, I had it pretty high on mine. I think it was like one place above. Uh, was it? Yeah, I had a 10, 10 on the whole set. Yeah, so. I know uh, Matt D really had it super high too. So this, this this always felt like one that had bigger fans to me. I, I think I didn't feel this was a very uh, consequential match in the grand right. scheme of things. So that sort of knocked it down a peg. Okay, N- so what's your name? Number 58 for me. And um, I think once you and Steven finally get done, y'all are going to curtail y'all's adventure in the uh, all japan exact series right before this match but i would implore you to watch it and it's masawa versus akiyama from february 27 2000 and i watched this match today because it'd been a while and uh 
fantastic match. This is the last great match of the All Japan era as we know it. Um, Masawa kind of trying to put over Akiyama as a new guy of the future, uh, transitioning in a lot of ways. I think this is his version of the 6 8 1990 match where Jumbo put him over. Um, just a great journey, and uh, this is a match I, I really enjoy and felt like for once we were going back to the glory days of uh, all Japan when you knew like things were crumbling around them. So it's it's a very interesting watch. Okay, well maybe I can persuade. Uh Stephen to take a step into 2000. Yeah, well, it's it's a it'd be a recommended antidote because to me, yeah, this is the kind of a good end point for uh, that series as a whole. Well, my next one, Chad, is Andre Hansen. Oh, okay, so no need to uh, discuss that as we've discussed it before. So now, let me go to my number 57, which is Ric Flair versus Terry Funk, Clash of the Champions 9, which we've also discussed. So there we go. Making some progress. Yeah, speeding through. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My 56 is another Titans-Bob Backlund match. It is the Texas Death Match against Ken Patera. This is May the 19th, 1980. And... um, probably the best match we've watched on titans to date um and one of the only times in wrestling history where the crowd gives the participants a standing ovation because the match is that good so yeah this uh, this was on my short list um didn't quite make it i'd agree it's the best match i've watched to date on titans though um Really good stuff by Patera. I, I think now, I mean, it's been, what, like a year and a half since y'all reviewed that. And Patera, you know, when Dylan was kind of championing him, he was someone that kind of came out of nowhere. But uh, Patera's 1980 run is highly underrated. Um, it's, it's something I kind of forget about. But then when I think about, like, his stuff in the 80s, it's like, oh, yeah, it was good. And in this uh, house show we just watched from 1981, he was very effective. Uh, so, yeah, Patera is a really, I still think, underrated worker overall. Yeah, yeah, he was he was very good in that, yeah. Um, yeah, a bit too many bear hugs for my taste but overall. But that match is superb against Backlund. Uh, what's your 56? My 56 is Jushin Liger versus Sinjiro Otani um, from February 9th, 1997. Uh, a great, great juniors match. Otani someone I think you would enjoy, Par, is he, he emotes a lot and mm-hmm. very frustrated, and he makes kind of these cardinal mistakes that cost him the match, and... Uh, this was kind of the crux of that. Otani was coming off a really hot 96, where he'd kind of slowly but surely established himself as the guy. Now he's going up against Liger, who was uh, coming back from a long absence, and sort of Liger kind of put the young punk in his place a little bit here at the end of this match. Um, so to, to me, one of the better junior matches of the 1990s overall here. So, my 55 is Stan Hansen, again, taking on Leon White, a.k.a. Vader, from March the 13th, 1986. Nice. 
um, early appearance uh, of this is not the match with the eye, of course. No. Um, but uh, I think that's the only appearance of Vader on my list, actually. Yeah. Um, and to me, this is their best match together, which is kind of weird to see. Super stiff, as you'd imagine. Um, must watch, I would say. Yeah. Uh, so. I, I, I'm glad you had this on there. I thought about this one as kind of one of my personal. Um, because me and you, Parv, I think are the two biggest champions for this match. I know when Will talks about it, he talks about like kind of Hanson giving Vader a wrestling lesson or whatever. And I mean, that's true that Vader carries it. But I thought Leon White, this was kind of his first great performance. Um, and he held up his end of the bargain uh, throughout this match, too. So this is one to see if you want to see kind of the, the uh, chronicle of Vader. I would start here. Yeah, so what's yours? My number 55, and this is the last four and three-quarter star match on my list, and I talked about this, I think, on the uh, last uh, Wrestle War 92, and it's War Games 1. Um, right on the cusp of five stars, but just a great kind of culmination of the Four Horsemen feud versus the uh, kind of the alliance that had been formed on the face side. Now, how come you're capping out here? And I'm capping out down in the down in the 30s. Does that mean you're more generous than me, Chad, or have you just watched way more wrestling? I don't. I, well, I think. I, th- I mean, I look at my top list and the matches that are on there, and I think if you watched a lot of those matches, you would agree with me. Right. Some you won't, but. I know for some of them we both have five stars, and some of them it's just stuff you haven't got to. Right. So okay, that's kind of I think where we're at. So I think it's interesting though because I I reckon there's a there's a there's a good handful of matches on my five star list that that you won't even have on your list at all. Yes, so. yes, there definitely yeah. is some some uh, Billy Robinson coming up. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he, he dominates the back half of the 20, uh, 20 part of my list. Um, all right, so 54? Yes. Um, and this is actually a legendary moment in where the big boys play, Chad. It is the Arn Anderson-Barry Windham match that I reviewed by accident oh, from yeah. 6692. I was wondering if this would come up. <laughs> Just a fabulous match and probably Arn's career singles match, I'd say. Yeah, and one I have not seen yet. So I'll have to have that to look forward to when we watch it properly this time instead of the ninety one match. The ridiculous man I was like, "How is Chad not on the same page as me here?" <laughs> oh, it's because he watched a completely different match. <laughs> um, my number fifty four is a match that I don't know if you like it or not, but I've always called it the worst five star match I've ever seen, and that's Ultimate Warrior versus Randy Savage from WrestleMania seven. Uh, what do you think about that one? I think it's some emotion talking there, Chad. Yeah, it's it's certainly an emotion talking, but I think um, to me, it's the best crafted in ring story as a fairy tale that WWF ever did. Maybe it's over nostalgia, but uh, so it's an incredible soap opera moment. Can I just ask you, is Flair Vader on your list? Flair Vader is not on my list. So how do you justify putting that there when Flair Vader is not on the list? Because isn't it the same? Um, I think I think it's a little bit... I mean, Flair Vader, I know, connects emotionally to me, but I don't necessarily know if it connects emotionally to everybody else. 
This match I know I've shown to my wife and I've shown to my mom who do not like wrestling at all and they've become entrenched in this match. Whereas something okay. like Flair Vader, eh, no way. They they would think actually it probably looks rinky dink because it's in, you know, the lighting and everything else. You need to you need to have a connection to Flair, basically, already. Yes, right? yes. I think you have to know Flair's history and kind of his stature for that match, where you can come into this match cold and just know, like, these two are estranged. And even if you didn't know that, you kind of get that based on the story. So it's, it's a, it's, This is certainly a match I know I'm very high on, but and I'm kind of a little bit embarrassed, but uh, I kind of hold firm to that. And that's why I put it, when I went through 91 as a year as a whole, it remained my uh, number one match of the year, and um, it's the highest ranked 91 well, match here. Well, I knew it was coming. Because uh, I know, like we've talked about that before, or I, or, I, or you did it on that roundtable. You talked about that, yeah, match. yeah. So, so my fifty-three Chad is Dory Funk Jr. and Terry Funk versus Giant Barber and Jumbo from March the thirteenth, nineteen seventy-five. Now, when people ask me why are you so high on Dory Funk Jr., I would point them to. The series of matches that the Funks have with Barber and Jumbo, who, for my money, are one of the best All Japan tag teams, Jumbo and Barber, and the Funks are, up for my money, the greatest tag team. Uh, after watching so much of their stuff, and this match from 1975 is a masterpiece in my mind, just a master, like of how to tell a story in a tag team context. It goes about half hour. The work is phenomenal, um, and it's the best match of this particular series. So uh, that's the Funks. Have you seen that one? I don't recall it. Um, so it's probably, but I, I know I've watched some of their stuff together, and um, I, I liked it. But I, I don't think I would be near as high the, as you. The 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 rule for that particular feud is that. It, by the time you get to the 80s something something goes missing because their the 80s matches are boring um, whereas I really enjoyed the 70s one um, so there we go and Dory in 75 is really good for some reason he's, he's like arguably like he has a case for best worker in the world for 1975 I would say um, just based on the matches he has that year uh, there's there's one against Horst Hoffman that people like more than I do. Uh, yeah, now I have uh, seen that match and I I like it a good deal. Um, actually, yeah. So, uh, what's your fifty three? My fifty three is uh, Mita and Mima Shimoda versus Karu Ito and Tomoko Watanabe uh, from nine twenty one nineteen ninety seven All Japan Women. This is uh, entitled Rage in a Cage, and boy, that description fits, as this is 25 minutes of women screaming, yelling at each other, hitting each other, <laughs> blooding each other up. you got weapons inside the cage. Um, yeah, this is a match that has very high detractors. Childs really hates this match, but uh, I loved it, and I thought, like, kind of they've... 
they did a great job of keeping the hate and this to me also reaches that visceral emotional level that's kind of in the same arena of the uh, all time classic matches so uh, one I really really enjoy yeah and uh something menstrual sounding about that rage in a cage rage in a cage for sure <laughs> um my 53 is um 52 now is another ricky steamboat match chad this is well let's see if you can guess just from the date 32987 oh so i was wondering if you would have this one so this is wrestlemania 3 wrestlemania 3 which i did not put on my list <laughs> highly controversial when I talked about uh, when I talked about the uh, Wrestlemania 5 match I I wondered if you would put this one but I didn't want to spoil it so I uh, yeah I mean a great match but again another one I'd have at four and a half so that is doesn't make the list you give that match four and a half yeah my word alright I'd I'll tell you why. I don't like George Steele. Okay. I really don't like Uh, that. And I think it's certainly valid that Steamboat should be more pissed off in that match. I can see that, yeah. That's that's two critiques that, to me, carry a good water. There is a third one as well, but it's kind of an unfair one. It's a retroactive critique. It's arguably the match that gave birth to the WE main event style, which I hate so much uh, because of all the near falls. But in that match, they're orga- they feel organic, even though we know uh, Savage planned them all out. They feel organic when you watch that. Um, and because it's like inside cradles and actual near falls, not like false finish spam. But I reckon that is the match that is responsible for that becoming the predominant psychology later on um, in you know you see it you then see it with Savage versus Hogan you see it with Hogan versus Warrior do you know what I mean yeah. like so it, it it becomes kind of the, the, the go to in all of their in all of their big ones um, so what's your 52? My 52, I'm uh, jumping into PARF territory here. It's Terry Font versus Jumbo Saruta, 6-11-1976. Uh, did, did you rank this one, PARF? No. Oh, I haven't, man. I haven't, I haven't actually reviewed it yet. Oh, see. wow. So it's not on my list, controversially. Now, me and you both like the uh, 1980 Carnival match. Um, you a bit more yeah. than me. And I think if you like that one as much as you did, I can't see any reason why you won't think this one's incredible. Maybe I'm wrong, but I will be very surprised as we don't have a lot of kind of NWA champion funk. No, very, very little. Uh, and uh, But this really kind of personifies that of good wrestling, but also rugged wrestling. Um, it's, it's not showy, I guess. Yeah, and I think they really kind of ratchet up the intensity as the match moves along and really brisk pace. And I don't have a lot of seventy stuff on here, but uh, this is one of them. Now, can I just ask you what you make of uh, uh, Otani's jacket's criticism that uh, All Japan is spotty? Yeah, well, okay, so I don't know if that's just. I guess the difference in what the term means 
for mm. what? Because to me, like, if you have a lot of spots at the end of the match, I mean, like a match that I'm sure is on both of our lists, six three ninety four. That match at the end has a lot of spots. I mean, you got two power bombs, you got dragon suplex, you got tiger driver ninety one, you got tiger driver, frog splash, blah blah blah, elbows galore. There's there's a lot going on in that match, but it doesn't feel spotty because it feels like it's kind of the way the match was worked. It it feels like it's an appropriate, I guess, escalation up to that point. Right. I, yeah. To me, that's how it feels. I mean, something like Jumbo versus Martell that you had, now that to me is a pretty bomb-heavy, spotty match, I guess. But yeah. it can be entertaining. But something like this and most of the uh, quote-unquote Japan classics from the 80s and 90s, to me, just feel like enriched storytelling with, uh, you know, uh, long matches that just kind of developed up to spottiness. But I, I, I guess I do feel I'm more tolerant than of that than people like Otani's Jagged or uh, Dalho 5 um, as we get to some more matches on my list that are higher up that I can kind of point to that I know they dislike more than I do. Um, but I, I guess I feel like it's an appropriate escalation. Oh. I like hard hitting, hard hitting action, Chad. I don't see, I don't actually see what the problem is, especially when it makes when when the violence ratchets it ratchets up, you know. Yeah, I mean, so. it, to me, most of the time it makes thematic sense, so no no issue whatsoever. All right, so what's uh, that? Was yours? Was it? That was my number fifty-two. So probably, yeah. I guess we've been going huh? for a while now. So do we want to go to the number fifty-one and we'll kind of. So that we 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 should go to two parts, Chad. Yeah. So we'll uh, we'll wrap up after this one. Mine is Terry Funk versus Stan Hansen from April fourteenth, eighty-three. Mm. Um, a sprint brawl from all Japan, um, featuring uh, Funk getting a hung at one point. I want to say, yeah, by Hansen. Um, uber memorable. Terry Funk was so over in the early eighties in all Japan. Um, you know that guy is uploading stuff on YouTube. Yes. Um, so I've watched a lot of his 1980 recently. I think he has a very good case for best work in the world that year. Of the year, yeah, sure. Um, but he's just like so. This is him as like an uber babyface superstar, um, and uh, yeah, he's so good at selling. Um, and uh, it, Stan Hansen is very good at dishing out offense so yeah that's a great match. i mean i think that's everything you'd want those two matching up to be yeah um but did not make my list <laughs> so very controversial <laughs> yeah that may be controversial in our parts but uh I, 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 that's that's the series i did really like but i mean i, I really loved like Tenru versus uh, Hanson from 1988. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there's so many great matches. So my number 51, and uh, this will be the only appearance of uh, your favorite guy, Parf, Mr. DiBiase, and it's uh, Ted DiBiase versus Hacksaw Jim Duggan. No DQ, loser leaves town, coal miners glove on a pole, tuxedo cage match. Uh, March 22nd, 1985. Just, yeah. I mean, sounds ridiculous on the con- on the uh, surface level, but makes a lot of sense. 
they worked it to perfection, just them kind of bumping in those tuxedos, but you also have some extremely stiff shots. Uh, perfect blow-off to this feud, which is kind of the, I guess, the cornerstone feud of Mid-South for a couple of years. Yeah, and if you want to hear me, myself and uh, Will break down that match in some detail, it's on one of the Pro Wrestling Super Show specials on Ted DiBiase. Right. Um, and there's also there's another time, I want to say, uh, that we broke it down as well. I, several times that match has been broken down on podcasts. Um, but yeah, every, to Will does a very good job of explaining how every element in that match makes sense in the context of the feud, you know. So it definitely gets enhanced by watching it. But um, and this is something I did want to ask you actually about this match. Do you think that you have to understand the context to to get it, or does it stand? I do think I do think this one, whereas I like it's kind of the contrast to Warrior versus Savage, where I I don't think either one of those matches I guess is necessarily five stars in between the ropes. I know for sure Savage versus Warrior isn't as far as Mm -hmm. a technical masterpiece, but I think. Uh, kind of with that one with the not having to watch the whole story and still getting the emotional arc and with this one if you have watched the whole story and understanding how everything comes together uh, both elevate it to the five star level yeah and um, I watched the no DQ match uh, recently because it was uploaded on um, classics you know from a couple of weeks before this right and um, it's the one with the bloodied caveman Jim Duggan um so it, I don't know. It, it kind of like it, it's a really good payoff. Um, the, the finish of this match is one of the all-time great payoffs to yeah. a, uh, yeah. a blood feud. Yeah. And so I'm guessing this is higher for you. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's a fair bit of higher, but you're still five stars on it, right? Yes, still five stars. So well, great. Well, there it was. We went from a hundred to fifty, and uh, I guess you can join us next time for fifty to one. Did you have fun doing this, Chad? <laughs> I actually enjoyed that. I'm interested to hear what the feedback is. So, yeah, yeah. and uh, like, uh, I wonder if anybody's going to be like, "How could you possibly put that 92?" There, <laughs> there may be a little bit of that, and probably more. How did you leave this off? Instead of how could you? Put yeah, well, this on? You, the people don't know us are going to be in the in the top fifty. That's yet. true, but I have revealed, like for instance, WrestleMania three didn't make it, so. And I revealed that there's no there. more Shawn Michaels on my list. Yeah, so we might get <laughs> some crap there. Yeah, I I reckon my list is more populist than yours, Chad. Uh, I'm guessing once you get into the top half where you have the uh, Robinson Brigade in the 70s and that I know that cheat bullshit's coming, that 78 cheat match, so... <laughs> Oh, do you want to wait till you get to that one? You may be waiting a while till you get to oh that one. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm just glad the Sheep versus Ricky Steamboat from 1980 didn't make it. Do you know, I was considering it. Yeah, I'm glad it did not. <laughs> Fans, for all of us here at WCW Center Stage, for Cowboy Bill Watts and the American Dream Dusty Rhodes, I'm Jim Ross saying good night, everybody. <laughs>